my 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 journey through the land of Hyrule has been going well. Oh yeah, yeah. I've done uh three of the four guardians, as they're called in this one, uh, divine beasts rather. So like the um, I suppose you could call them dungeons. Yeah, because... they're they're definitely taking the place of the dungeons in yeah. this one. I'm working. I'm just about to enter the desert, and uh, there's 120 of the little shrines dotted across Hyrule in various ways. I think it's like 102, 103 of them. Yeah. That that is a lot. That is a lot. Yeah, but you, know, you look at my map; it's just like loads of blue dots all over the place. And it's four of those for a heart container. Yeah, it is. And same for stamina bar. And yes. wait, I've maxed out my stamina, and I'm well on my way to getting the hearts. I found the Master Sword, but I've still not picked it up. No, you need a certain number of heart containers to do so. I'm sure I've got more than enough heart containers. How many heart containers have you got? Uh, source that. That's 15 on the top row. Uh, 21. That'll do you. <laughs> I finally seen how many hours I've played. Well, around about I've played. Because the save file itself doesn't actually tell you. But Which is probably very wise. Mm. But if you go into like your profile within the Switch settings itself, uh, it shows you like your active play time for various your various games. My Zelda ranks uh, eighty hours or more in. Just under three weeks. That's pretty pretty good, I gotta <laughs> say. <laughs> um, I oh, I'm really annoyed with one thing in Andromeda, and it's not really Andromeda so much as it is Origin. All right. That is, I get an obnoxious pop up every hour. Going excessive gameplay can interfere with your day to day life. You have played for one hour. You have played for two hours. You have played for three hours. And I was like, fuck off. And Zoe's just told me to turn it off, and I would. But that to me. I have no idea why it's doing it, so I can't turn it off because I don't know where it's turned on. <laughs> it doesn't do it to her, apparently. So <laughs> I took my case of it going, Simon, Simon, we know you, we love you. You need, you might need a break. I do not need a break. I I need to unlock more vaults. <laughs> Tell you what, though, the deeper I'm getting into it, uh, the more I'm liking it. That's good. Yeah, uh, the the initial concerns. It seems it seems odd, but it seems like the worst of it is at the beginning. Like they've they've opened weak. They've given you the weakest planet and the weakest conversations right up front to lower your expectations, so that when you get into the game proper, you're like, oh no, it is good. Makes sense. If you friends. don't bounce off it, I'm still pissy that it's mechanically identical to Inquisition. Lazy. It it is fairly similar to Inquisition. I I suppose it's that's that's fair to say. It's not mechanically identical, uh, because you don't actually need to accrue power in order to take on that's the next challenge in the plot, and that that is the difference. And that's... also, I have a spaceship which I didn't have in Inquisition. Yeah, so, <laughs> no, the horses the horses are the replacement for the nomad. Yeah. But there is no replacement for the Tempest. You fuck off. My spaceship is beautiful and wonderful. <laughs> spaceship no, that's just the Citadel. Nexus. It's both. it's both. 
Also, I'm desperately trying to get a movie night started on my spaceship. <laughs> what? Movie night. Huh. One of the crew points out, you know, we're we're in a distant galaxy, we're in this life-threatening situation. Wouldn't it be nice to have something that was just ordinary and comforting and remind us of home? Let's have a movie night. So I had to go out and find some movies, and then I had to go out and find some snacks, and I'm desperately trying to arrange a movie night. <laughs> in amongst all of the, you know, the galaxy changing. So it, in that case, it is a very Mass Effect game, in that it's like, oh, there's this huge crisis that we absolutely have to deal with right away, but if you could pop out and get snacks for movie night, that would be great. They are making it more Dragon age as well, in terms of Action. Yes, there there is a certain amount of the the glib humor of Dragon Age to this one as well. In that a lot of the characters are just outright dorks, huh. which I approve of wholeheartedly. Anyway, what we're doing is that thing we do where we start talking about stuff that should be in the show before we start the show. The show? Oh God, we have a show. Shall we start the show? What what's oh, that? Oh geez, I don't know, Simon. <laughs> Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> was, I don't know. That was less Morty and more like. <laughs> I've opened the door to terrible noises throughout an entire episode. Let's let's, let's do this. You got you got you got you got to start the show. I mean, you, you got to shut it. Hello and welcome to Dangerously Unprepared. I am Simon, and joining me are Irish. Hello. And Jack. Uh, hello. But no, Rob, he is... Well, we could come up with all sorts of excuses for him given the topic of the episode, <laughs> but let's... is he being thespianic again? He hasn't said. He's being mysterious, he, so there you go. Yeah, I mean, with Rob, this could literally mean anything. He could be on a stage right now doing an acting thing he could be performing some kind of bank heist right now um he could be in some underground fight ring uh or he could be seducing a princess of a foreign land all we know is he's not here underground fight club rob really he is could the be with other actors like amongst other actors oh, he's quite manly i suppose <laughs> Like, I, I, I get the feeling that Rob would turn into that meme with Fight Club where it's just, oh man, guys, I went up to Fight Club the other day. I got there a little late and missed out on the first two rules, but basically what my takeaway from this was that Fight Club was amazing and everyone should join Fight Club. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so given that we've had a bit of a pre-topic discussion already, was there anything else anyone wanted to cover tonight, or shall we rock straight on? Yeah, uh, the only thing I can think of is that, hey, has anyone seen the movies? Yay! Uh, I went to the film place cinemas. Did you actually get in? Goodness. Yeah. I, seen, I, I don't think we've done an episode since I went and saw Kong. Or did we? No. Um, I seem to remember you talking about it. Oh, okay, then we have. Um, then I've gone and I've seen uh, Get Out. That was right, because we thought that, Rob thought that's what you had gone to see. Yes, because yes. you saw a double bill, and one of them wasn't Get Out. No, the other one... I figured this out the other day. The other one was... Um, oh, what 
fucking what's it called? Uh, Cure for Wellness. Oh, that yeah. Um, the uh, like the um, health spa type place. Yeah, it's really weird. I went into that expecting it to be like a proper psychological horror film. And it's very, it looks very Shutter Island. Right, I thought it was just going to be like Shutter Island. It was going to be like, oh, you can't trust your eyes, you can't trust what's going on around you, etc., etc., etc. And it was actually a sort of loving... It was a love letter to uh, gothic horror. Okay. Like it all takes place in a castle on a mountain in Switzerland with a little village at the bottom with all these kind of odd German speaking folk that are terrified of the rich people that live on top of the mountain. Um and it's all, you know, dangerous evil experiments and things going on and, and it, it has a if it has an ending where if you look at it as a really serious, dark psychological horror film, it's it's ridiculous and silly. Right. Um but if you look at it as a psych- as a as a gothic horror film, it fits so well. So just just think of it that way before going into it. If you go and see it, um, it is a very weird film, but quite a lot of fun. It wasn't a film I was like on the base concept of it. I was interested in. Yeah. Then I saw the trailer and I was like, okay, this looks a bit more interesting than like the the, the reading I've seen of it. Yeah. Claimed it to be. After you saying that, I might have a go. Yeah, I I, I would recommend it. Um, the yeah, but Get Out was absolutely phenomenal. Um, like I I, I can't sing its praises enough. I, like any anything I say will either have been covered by trailers or would be a spoiler. Um, right. It was it was really weird hearing all the very very awkward laughter. Uh, in in the in the screening. All right. Like, it was it, you know when you can feel people laughing and going, "I'm going to laugh because I feel like I need to right now." The ha 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 ha. Um. Yeah, really really good film. Um. Ending was not what I expected it to be. Basically, but... basically, it was a, a film screen of awkward white people. <laughs> Yes, well, it's Cheltenham, so, you know. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that's actually our motto on our, uh, you know, on the thing when you welcome, you know, welcome <laughs> to Cheltenham, <laughs> awkward yeah. white people ahead next 20 miles. Beware, um, beware of the racing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, like I said, the ending was not what I was expecting. I, 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 ha- I had an in, I had in mind a... Um, an end. An ending, like, about from about... The, the beginning of the third act, I was like, oh, okay, I get exactly what the, 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 the crescendo of this film is going to be. And it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Um, huh. I won't say that that's a bad thing or a good thing. Um, I'm just saying if it had been what I thought it was going to be, I would have come out of that film very sad. <laughs> um, so yeah, definitely well worth watching. It is horrifying. Like, it, it, it will make... It, it's in that sense of it'll make you uncomfortably scared. It's not... There's, there's like, one jump scare in it. But right. the rest of it is literally just people smiling and talking in that really weird, forced way that you're thinking, what are they trying to say? And, oh, it's it's so well acted, so well written. Um, thoroughly recommend it. Go out and watch it, yo. It's it's probably not even out anymore by the time this episode comes out, but 
watch it on the Netflix or buy the, the DVD. Fair enough. There you go. I saw two films that I really liked. Just going to put that out there for all those people that, you know, remind me that I don't like films. <laughs> <laughs> I, it is, I, it's something that has been observed, yes. It's, it's something that has been incorrectly observed, yes. Well, you say that. There are films that I don't like. That does not mean that I don't like films. <laughs> I read a no, shitty... but we do like mocking you for it. I read a shitty Richard Lehman book once. That does not mean I hate books. So, shall anyway. we press on? Yes, let's. What are we talking about tonight? Uh, are we talking about science? I suppose in a way. Back to the future. In a way. Back to the science. <laughs> we, we could also be talking about Gravity Falls. Ooh. Which is weirdly linked to what we are talking about. Yep. It is directly linked to well, what we are yeah, talking about. That's a great show. It is. And set in the same universe as Rick and Morty. Hooray! That's still bizarre. But makes... Why is that bizarre? <laughs> that those two fit together. You know what I mean? I don't know, it sort of makes sense to me, because the whole point of Rick and Morty is a multiverse, so somewhere out there is the universe Gravity Falls. Yeah, it? I guess so, yeah. Huh. It's uh, They are directly linked. In uh, one of the episodes of Rick and Morty, I cannot remember which one, it's the one where Rick and Morty are running and project loads and loads of por uh, portals along a wall. Oh, then yes. when they're on their run from the, the Council of Ricks. Yes. Yeah. That's the one. Uh, and one of the portals, a bunch of stuff falls out of it. It's like a cup, yes! a mug with a question mark on it, a notebook, a pen. Yes. yes. And those are stands things that fall into a portal in Gravity Falls. That is true, yes. Yeah. Huh. Apparently there was another one that was like, there was a guy walking around with numbers written on him. Um, uh, yeah, I believe that um, Bill also makes a brief appearance in Rick and Morty, who is a character from Gravity Falls. Ah, okay. Bill Cipher. Bill Cipher, yes, yeah. But we're not talking about Gravity Falls. We're not, we're talking about that other one. We're talking about Rick and Morty. Uh, which is... Let's face it, it's a very good show. Yes. Yeah. Or we would not be talking about it. I mean, we might. We've talked about rubbish things before. Actually, have a point. Yeah, I can't argue with that. Shut uh, you up. The, the f yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I am, I am. Uh, well, a palpable touch, let's say. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was a, it's a weird one because it's Adult Swim, and I, I think I've covered on this show before that a lot of Adult Swim is stuff that doesn't really resonate with me personally. Yeah. Through, through, and, yeah, uh, like various other shows. Because, I mean, it's how long's Adult Swim been going? A long time. It was around when I were little. God, I don't know. I had no idea how long it's been going. Well, a few years. But in terms of their original stuff, 16 years. Ooh, fair enough. 15 and a half. Like, uh, Robot Chicken, I like. Yeah. Yay. Adventure Brothers, I like. Yay. Still haven't seen it. Like, well, I've seen very little of that. Season seven's on the way. I've seen like the first half of episode uh, of season one. 
I would recommend it. It's another one that it fits it. the same description of Rick and Morty in that it's a show I didn't quite believe I would like as much as I do when I first heard about it. Yes, yeah. I, I got that feeling. I remember when I mentioned it to you, I was like, oh, so I mean, you should watch. Actually, no, I get the feeling you're going to hate this show. <laughs> I just first, got that the... sensation you were going to hate it. The first I heard of Venture Bros was um, you going on about the, the butterfly people. The, the Monarch's minions in the bar. Who are amazing. Yes. 21 and 24. Um, but yeah, in, in a very similar way, these are shows that when I first heard about it and first saw it, I was like, uh, this is going to be the Adult Swim stuff I don't like, which is like, um, Aquatine Hunger Force would be in there, Harvey Birdman, yeah, um, yeah. Metalocalypse. Uh, I like Metalocalypse. Sea Lab twenty twenty one. The stuff that's a bit more, uh, a bit more anarchic, I guess. I, I guess so. I, I don't think... know what it is about those shows that doesn't quite sit well with me. Yeah, but... I'm, not, I'm not exactly saying that Venture Brothers is, is a is a. A uh, nice structured, you know, show and all that, but it does have an ongoing plot and everything. It does. I mean, not at first. Yeah, no. but it gets there. <laughs> it finds one along the way, <laughs> which is a thing that a lot of cartoons have been doing lately. Like, I wouldn't say that Adventure Time particularly had an ongoing arc at first. No, definitely not. But it found one along it, the way. It, it got oh, there. and my God, that show. And it's it's to the point with Rick and Morty that I can't I couldn't gun to my head I couldn't tell you what the pilot episode was about it didn't do anything for me. Mm. I, I I didn't watch the pilot episode until after I'd finished watching seasons one and two, which is probably a good idea because I don't think it's a great episode. It's not a good selling point for it. Like uh, the first episode I saw was Lawnmower Dog. Yeah, and that was the first episode. It very quickly that was the first episode I was like, oh. I really like that. Yeah. I mean, partly because it reunites Rob Paulson and Maurice LaMarche as a double act, which is always good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pinky and the Brain, mm-hmm. for listeners who aren't familiar with the voices. For the young people. Uh, partly for the reference in the title of Lawnmower Dog, which, like, Lawnmower Man is great as a film. It's terrible because uh, it's great. And I, it's, great I, I, it's terrible. It's good. I was going to I was going to cut you off there and be like whoa 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 hang on. What? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's that good bad movie. Yes. You know? It's also it's it's a favorite for anyone that loves when a story gets adapted to a movie. I, and you look at it and you, and you look and go so <laughs> so it's got the same title. Yep. <laughs> And that is it. That is literally, that is literally it. the connection. Yep. And also just for the plot, because like the first, the pilot is, I would say it's in that slightly anarchic, um, surreal for the sake of it, but doesn't really have a sense of where it's going. Kind of a comedy. Yeah. I don't need to put them jam this way up there, Maury. Get, get them. Yeah. Get them way up inside your butt. But then suddenly, lawnmower dog is this surprisingly <laughs> well-written story that just, from a complete aside of accidentally making the dog far too self-aware, leads to the complete castigation of the human race by dogs. Where are my testicles, Summer? I fucking love that scene. It's so <laughs> chilling! It's just, the doctor took them. Where are they? Where did they go? It's also, I love that, that effect, like, trying to give Harry, a robot voice. to run my face in urine again. <laughs> 
Like, I love that that effect, that really creepy robot voice, is literally just Robert Paulson with auto-tune. Yeah. It's so effective. Barely auto-tuned. Yeah. It's just Robert Paulson. <laughs> and, it, like, what I love is that episode is, like, again, just going by the first episode, it's really, really silly. Like, if you look at it, the base plot, dogs take over, an army of super-intelligent dogs with robot suits take over the world. That's quite silly. Then it goes really dark. And then it gets quite poignant and quite touching. It's, it's his little speech um, with, with, you know, when Morty has to go undergo the, the surgery. And it's, you know, do you think they would have done this for us? It's, we are not them. We are not them. I'm like, oh, oh, this is actually kind of beautiful. Yeah. And at the same time, there's the other plot running in parallel, which is... The, the wonderful piss take of Inception. Yes. Oh, <laughs> Scary Terry. I fucking love Scary Terry. Scary I Terry. love Scary Terry as well, and I don't even like Freddy Krueger. Oh. <laughs> I just, it's the point where he just, like, they, they, they start figuring oh, out. Bitches. Yeah, dream, dream logic, where they're just like, he's saying, you can run, but you can't hide, bitch. And it's like, all right, he says we can't hide, but, you know, if, he, if we could, do you reckon he would tell us that? No. I think we can hide. <laughs> that, that, that was a good call about the hiding, Morty. <laughs> Turns out we can. <laughs> um, so I, I think we've skipped past the, the very basic premise of Rick and Morty. Sorry, yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> is that Dan Harmon is probably better known for Community than Rick and Morty. Yes, and Harmon World. Harmon yes. yes. And Community was briefly cancelled. And it was in that time, when he was at a loose end, that he and Justin Roiland, uh, also known as the voice of Lemon Grab in Adventure Time... Oh god, I didn't realise that. <laughs> yeah, can you yeah. not hear it in Morty? I guess so, yeah. It, it's just the same voice. And also, especially... Well, not, it's not, not his speaking voice, but when yeah, when he starts, when it comes to the whining... He goes to the... Yeah, yeah, I can get it there. And, and also, he's actually screamed unacceptable in an episode as well. Uh, oh, yeah. Huh. Yeah, very deliberately. Yes. So, yes, uh, Justin Roiland, a.k.a. Lemon Grab, and Dan Harmon, creator of Community, sat down and came up with the uh, the True Adventures of Doc and Marty. Yes. Which is a piss take of the Back to the Future characters, Doc, and, uh, Doc Brown and Marty McFly, in a somewhat grotesque fashion. It is proper gross-out humour. <laughs> yes. And with more time on their hands, this sort of evolved into a pitch for a show, which became Rick and Morty. So Morty is the adolescent son of Jerry and... Beth. 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 Yes. That's right. Beth being Who... uh, Rick's daughter. Yes. Um, and Beth also being Sarah Chalk playing a doctor, <laughs> uh, which of course she was probably best known for in Scrubs. Horse doctor. Horse doctor in Rick and Morty, yes. Not not a real doctor. No. As Jerry points out from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> and not a deer doctor. Again, getting and, themselves. Yes, and Jerry and uh, Beth have two children, Morty and Summer, their daughter. And living with them is also, as we said, Beth's father, Rick, who is a uh, more or less permanently drunk. 
Yep. Mad scientist. He's been sort of out of the picture for the last 20 years or so. Yes. Yep. And now he's crashing in their house. He's returned into our life. Uh, and, and it's never really gone into why, but I suspect he's hiding from something. <laughs> At that point in the series, yes. Yes. Mm. We are left, we are uh, left to suspect that. And, and Rick has a portal gun which allows him to travel around the multiverse and a spaceship which allows him to travel around the universe. Made of garbage. Made of garbage. Because he is such a genius that he can create a functional spaceship out of garbage. Yeah, we, we, that's the thing we got to mention, we got put across that he is super level in intelligent. Yes. Like, like you know, science that shouldn't well, in work. The, just offhand, as an aside, to shut up his son-in-law, he uh, he basically ascends dogs to sentience. Yes, yeah. Or my, my it's that level of brilliance. My my favorite one being the uh, he, he like the butter is ever so slightly out of reach, so <laughs> he, he builds he builds the a tiny robot. robot. He builds a tiny robot with wheels for feet, whose job is to go over, uh, grab the butter, and pass it to him. And he imbues, what is my purpose? He imbues it with enough intelligence to become depressed when it realizes its entire purpose in existence is to pass <laughs> butter. <laughs> It's one yeah, of my it, favourite throwaway gags in the whole show. It's it is self-aware enough to look up at its creator and say, what is my purpose? You pass the butter. Oh. It's, it's the way it yeah, looks at its hands and goes, oh my gosh. <laughs> like, yeah, welcome <laughs> to the club. <laughs> like, it's one of my favourite gags in that whole show. It's, it's the little robot looking at his hands and oh my god. My favourite um, Rick situation like that actually comes from season two. So I'll get onto that later, but yeah. And yeah, basically the premise in season one it, it gets expanded later, but it's just that he abducts Morty and takes him on these wild adventures across time and the multiverse, uh, space and the multiverse. Not time. He's not Doctor Who. That was a different episode. <laughs> so yeah, he uh, in in Lawnmower Dog, as we were saying. Uh, they're having an argument about how Inception doesn't make sense. And he claims that Morty is trying to look smart by pretending it makes sense. And to prove it, as an aside again, decides to resolve the whole situation by doing Inception and going into the uh, dreams of his math teacher. It's also worth pointing out that Dan Harmon really fucking hates Inception. <laughs> and he's wrong. I'm with Morty on this one. Yeah. Inception is a good movie. Uh, and they get deep into the subconscious. They go into the dreams of the dreams of the dreams. Yes, and it they, gets very strange. They knock out a character in someone's dream, like a, a fully formed fictional character in someone's dream, and go into their dream. The dream of a dream. And at the bottom of the dream pit is Scary Terry. At dream Bedrock. <laughs> yeah, dream Bedrock <laughs> is this Freddy Krueger knockoff. With self-confidence issues. <laughs> and a verbal tick. He can't make puns. He just says bitch at the end of all of his sentences. <laughs> and, and needs to learn how to chill. He is he is uh, a legally safe knockoff of an 80s horror character with tiny yes. swords for fingers instead of knives. <laughs> uh, so that episode had a lot more going on than the pilot. And I was like, okay, I'm in. <laughs> 
it's yeah when you when you start looking to it like there's so many levels of comedy to this like like scary terry going home after a long day to his scary wife and, and scary brandon <laughs> scary his, brandon his, his scary baby <laughs> and then and then having a go at the baby yeah. calling the baby a bitch and yeah then, just get on my back bitch out there like, not yeah. in here <laughs> uh it's it like I said, it does this sort of thing where it's like, this is funny, this is funny, oh this is actually quite touching, oh this is quite depressing, oh this is quite distressing. Oh no, it's funny again. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that they they use the complete amorality of Rick yeah. to present some very awkward situations. Like the very next episode, Anatomy Park. Oh yes. The Christmas episode. <laughs> Yes, in which Rick abducts a homeless man. Well, he he brings him in for Christmas, like to give him a, a roof over his head for the Christmas. Yeah, I'm trying yeah, to. I'm trying to like, yes. <laughs> I mean, we're talking true chaotic neutral, basically. Yeah, I love it also that that guy's dialogue is just to reference battles. Like he just he doesn't say anything; he'll just blankly stare and just say Pearl Harbor, Korea. <laughs> I had completely forgotten that, yeah. but yes. <laughs> um, and yeah, has built a theme park inside said homeless man to exhibit the diseases that he's picked up along the way. Which are many. Oh yes, there are so many. <laughs> and yes, if you're thinking, is this Jurassic Park meets the Fantastic Voyage? Yeah, yeah it is. That's exactly what this is. Complete with a tiny amoeba Richard Hammond voiced by John Oliver. Which was superb. <laughs> when you look back at it, you're like, wow, that's fucking weird. Well, like, the credits for this one are great, because you look at the voice cast, and you've got, you know, Rick, Morty, Beth, Jerry, Summer, um, Ethan, who I think is the guy, and and then you've got Bubonic Plague, Hepatitis A, Hepatitis C, <laughs> Gonorrhea, Tuberculosis. It's, again, another great cutaway gag that at some point they're being chased by a giant, like, Hepatitis A uh, virus. And then it just gets smashed by Hepatitis C that gives them a thumbs up, and they're like, "Does is that how Hepatitis C works?" And then they just go, "I think, I think that's just how it is. I think that's just, they, it's just a cool guy." I'm like, <laughs> "What the fuck is this show?" And yeah, it starts off slightly chaotic like this. the The episodes are good. Each episode definitely has. A journey it takes you on. Each one is is riffing on something. Like the next one is M Night Shyamalians. Uh, yes. Oh, with the scammers, the Nigerian scammers. Yes, Shyamalians, I guess. Yes. Um, Who are? Yeah, it's it's the the classic Nigerian scam done with aliens, the Nigerians. Um. It, again, it has. It's one of those things where it's like, okay, there's really, really, really good funny bits in this, and then there's also really touching, really sad bits of say. Jerry's best day of his entire life <laughs> is actually a fake simulation running at minimal capacity. Yes. <laughs> I love that he doesn't question it at any time. So yeah, the, the premise of this one, obviously the title is an M. Night Shyamalan reference. Mm. Uh, but the premise of the episode, pretty simple. These aliens who have a beef with Rick have put him in a simulation uh, to try and trick him into giving him, uh, giving them the recipe for concentrated dark matter, which is what he uses as spaceship fuel. And uh, 
as the, as the episode goes on, it's revealed they've put him in a simulation of a simulation to try and trick him. How many layers deep does it go? Who knows? Uh, and in the end, of course, Rick is well ahead of them and actually gives them the recipe for an explosive that destroys their spaceship. Uh, but it, meanwhile, the B-plot, yeah, is Jerry, who has accidentally been abducted along with them, being run in just a little corner of the simulation with just absolute minimal computing power where characters keep walking into walls and phasing through things. But because the simulation is just driven by him, he ends up having the best day of his life, getting promoted at work and... Um, getting an award. Getting an award and Creep. actually having rewarding sex with Beth, even yeah, though he doesn't move or say anything. That's so fucking unsettling. <laughs> but it's the start, I think, of the incredible uncomfortableness of Jerry and Beth's relationship. Yeah. <laughs> Don't move. I just, I love the continuing references of all characters who aren't them wondering why they're together. Yeah. For various different reasons. And how they, as a couple, keep coming to the very brink of making that decision themselves, but never quite commit to leaving each other. There, There is nothing happy about that relationship. No. And one of the th uh, tricks Rick uses to defeat the enemy, the aliens in this one, is that they hate nudity. So it's just him and Morty running around naked for a surprising amount of the show. An oddly large amount of the show. An unnecessarily large amount of the show, you might say. <laughs> um, and some of that is because the head of the aliens are played by David Cross, who you might know as Tobias from Arrested Development. <laughs> it's a good voice for them. That's a really it, amazing it And also the aversion to nudity makes a lot of sense. Ah. He's never nude, remember? And yeah, I mean, the, the voice cast is fantastic. We've already mentioned David Cross and uh, John Oliver, as well as Rob Paulson Maurice and Maurice LaMarche. Uh, Keith David turns up later on. Keith David, Stephen Colbert, Christina Hendricks. Oh, I rewatched that um, today. <laughs> uh, Trisha Helfer comes up. Plays a killer cyborg, doesn't she? Plays a killer cyborg, as does um, Gaius. Oh, yes, yeah. James Callis. And it is Trisha Helfer and James Callis playing a pair of killer cyborgs, <laughs> which is beautiful. Um, along with other voice people that you might know, like Tara Strong is in there, Kari Walgreen is in there, uh, Tom Kenny. God, Tom Kenny. It's horrifying seeing Tom Kenny work in there, because it's just like, <laughs> oh, he is, he is such a cartoon character voice. Yes. Um, so to see him doing, say, Squanchy. Squanchy is amazing. Oh, oh god, is that who? Oh my god. Yeah. 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 Squat. Uh, of course, the entire cast of Community turn up at least once. Yep. I squanch my family. They also turn up in, in visual form as well. They do. In... I, I, I love that reference. Yep. And it is in a later episode where a hive consciousness takes over an entire planet and is in a relationship with Rick and uses the whole planet to basically make him happy, including commissioning an entire TV show that turns out to be Community. <laughs> uh, which makes sense of when Rick starts getting very demanding about what they should do in the show, and his last demands are, now cancel it! Now uncancel it! 
And this, this was, his, his command before that was now make them all uh, make them all make fun of the blonde one. Yes. <laughs> um, but the episode after the Shavalians is responsible for I think it's Dan Harmon's favorite character. I'm uh, Mr. Basics. Look at me. Oh, that's that's later, is isn't it? it? No, Mr. Meeseeks is the very next episode. <laughs> Yay! Oh, Mr. Meeseeks. I love Mr. Meeseeks, but he is in perhaps the most troubling episode. <laughs> oh, what happens to, to Morty? Yeah. Yeah. But How so? I don't <laughs> want to say. <laughs> yeah, you do. Uh, right, so we'll talk about Mr. Meeseeks, shall we? Okay. Talk about that part of the episode first. Because, um... Essentially, Rick has a box called a Meeseeks box. And what this box does is you press a button on it, and it creates a Mr. Meeseeks. Which is a blue... Irish. Say it. Yeah. Say it. I'm Mr. Meeseeks! Look at me! Thank you. Uh, You then... (laughs) Man, that was... That was just strenuous. <laughs> you, you, you give it a task to do, it then performs the task, and dies in a puff of smoke. And and that's their existence. They exist briefly to perform this task. Like, take the ca- take the lid off this jar of pickles. Can do! And then, okay! And then it dies. It just disappears. Um, so... They are created to perform simple tasks like taking the lid off a jar or fixing a dishwasher, etc., etc. But the the three characters that uh, have control over the box for this episode, uh, Beth, Jerry, and Summer, Morty's sister, uh, well, Summer asks for it to help her be more popular at school. Uh, Beth asks it to help her become a more complete woman. And... <laughs> Jerry. Jerry, Jerry's like, no, no, no. That those are those like, those are too vague and like not simple enough. I just okay. I want you to be able to take two strokes off my golf game. The the irony of it being that Beth and Summer managed to get their their sort of requested uh, action out of Mister Meeseeks, whereas Jerry just sucks at golf so badly that the Mister Meeseeks can't do it. To the point that the Mr. Meeseeks decides it needs help. So it creates more of itself through the box and asks it to help. It's it's towards the end of the episode when they're just horribly dishevelled. Yeah. I, I just, like, when they want them to... You don't understand? We're not supposed to live this long. <laughs> me, me, this is suffering for us. Existence is pain. <laughs> it's the way when it just looks good. It's the first thing it says when it's just like... We're not supposed to live this long. Things are getting weird. <laughs> <laughs> and they all start yelling at each other, just like, he wrote me into this. Well, he wrote me into this. I'm Mr. Meeseeks. Look at me. We should kill Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> I've been here for 48 hours and eternity in Meeseeks time. And then a line which has entered my common vernacular, which is just to point up, to stand up, point at someone and yell, your problems are your own, old man. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the B plot. 
Yes, it really is. Or... Meanwhile, Rick has decided to let Morty be in charge of one of their adventures, determined to prove that Rick is better at being in charge of their adventures. Uh, and during the course of this adventure, they, they go to a fantasy world, and they, they, they meet a bunch of people who tell them to go and steal from a giant's house at the top of a beanstalk. Yeah, it all looks very Jack and the Beanstalk. Yep, so they go to the top of the beanstalk, they get into the giant's house, the giant discovers them, the giant trips over and smashes his skull open on the corner of the table, and dies twitching, which was just awful. Yeah. And so the giant's wife comes in, sees Rick and Morty, and is like, oh shit, tidy people have killed my husband. Leading to them appearing in court. Yep. But they were not read their tiny Miranda rights. So they get off on a technicality, a but now they have to face a tiny technicality. Now they have to face a new um, challenge, which is getting down the stairs, because this is giant court. Yep. And each step is just a sheer cliff face. <laughs> so they stop by uh, a bar on the way down. The, the Is it the thirsty step or something like yeah, that? Yeah, the thirsty yeah. step. Which is a normal-sized bar built into the cliff face of one of the giant courthouse steps for some reason. Populated by talking snail people and goblins and just all manner of weird shit. And Mr. Jellybean. <laughs> who is also voiced by Tom Kenny. <laughs> and... and Leads to my favourite IMDb trivia note about all of Rick and Morty. Oh. That? Interestingly enough, this is not the first time Tom Kenny has voiced an evil bean. Huh. <laughs> 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 what? You heard? Because I know I know I know Mr. Jellybean is like uh was actually a character in something that Dan Harmon did before. But it wasn't that, it was what? in a different cartoon. Oh, okay, fair enough, so not even linked to that, okay. No, it's just Tom Kenny has voiced independently two evil beans. Because I don't, yeah, Mr. Kelly Bean was in something that Dan Harmon had created before, and was somehow more evil in that, but like was over-the-top cartoonishly evil. He wasn't sort of uh, affable and, and friendly at one point, and then... Uh, so... Me Seeks and Destroy is basically the point where it, it's make or break. You're either going to like Rick and Morty or you're going to fucking hate it from this point. I I think that's fair. Yeah. yeah. I would never blame someone for saying, oh, I started watching Rick and Morty, but after a certain point, I just didn't want to watch anymore. And I'm like, was it episode five? And they go, yeah, it was episode five. Go, okay, I get it. That's, that's, yeah, we get it. Um, Should we, I mean... I don't want to say it. <laughs> I mean, this is the point I nearly bounced off the show. Yeah. yeah. I nearly did. If it wasn't for how the episode actually ends, this could have done it for me. Um, so, yeah, not to put too fine a point on it, um, Mr. Jellybean encounters Morty in the bathroom. And whilst nothing happens, because Morty does defend himself and beats the shit out of him, uh, it is clear that, uh, just to put it mildly, Mr. Jellybean is is clear to have had ill intent towards a teenage boy he found alone in the bathrooms. Yeah, it is. I, 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 
I'm not comfortable putting it any more explicitly than that, yeah, really. It's such a harrowing scene. It's dark as of... fuck. It, it's it's like this is something that I've heard um, Dan Harmon saying and, and and Justin Roiland saying about um, about Rick and Morty is that they will make jokes about things that are a bit taboo uh, or very taboo in the show, but if they have to depict something that will never be played for laughs. If they have to show this, you know the, you know you we you know what we're talking about here. Um, yes, the if, laughs come from other things. Yeah, they will put uncomfortable, they will put dark content in, but that's not the source of the humor. Yeah, whereas this is played entirely seriously, it is gruesome Harrowing. to watch. It's the faces and uh yeah. But Morty, yeah, beats his skull in with a with a toilet lid and escapes. But the way I think the episode is saved is that he doesn't say anything about it, but Rick very clearly works out what the hell has happened. Yeah. You can see him putting two and two together, and he instantly changes his tone. It's the first time we see a really considerate Rick. Yeah. Um, he's like, from that point on for the rest of the episode, he's like, Morty, you won the bet. This was a great adventure. Let's let's go. The The bet's won. Let's leave. Yeah. And Morty's like, well, well, first of all, we got to, you know, take the rewards to the townspeople. We got to finish it. And he's like, yeah, okay. So they head back to the village, and the village is hugely grateful and are like, you should meet our king. And the king is Mister Jellybean. Yep. So Rick's like, okay, yeah, let's go. Opens a portal. Morty goes through. Rick goes through. Rick's hand comes back out with a gun and shoots Mister Jellybean. And in the middle of all the anarchic stuff that's gone before, we've seen, as we said, a completely chaotic, neutral Rick who is completely amoral. And this is the first time he's shown any consideration for anyone. Um, and for me, that just about saved the episode. Yeah. I do like the fact that at the end of every episode, there's like a small stinger related to the episode as well. Yes. And the one for this one, <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ. It's oh. yeah, going through Mr. Jellybean's belongings. They find out the truth. They find out about his predilections and choose opera- not to tell people because of his legacy. Oh, it's such a fucking Operation U Tree shit going on. It's just like yeah, oh. it's dark as fuck, guys. It's it's harrowing. And like I said, it almost that was almost the last episode I watched. Yeah, but I think just that that change in Rick was enough to make me go. I want to see where this is going. Yeah. There's enough to show the fact of, oh, he is not just this asshole. Yeah. There's something more to him. So. And the next episode, I'm glad I stuck with it for one more episode because the next episode is fucking insane. <laughs> oh, is, is that the, uh, yeah. the, the, the one where he makes the love potion that makes people yes. date? Yeah. Which oh. evolves because of the flu, and everyone goes into Cronenberg versions. That's of themselves. it. Well, no, they they become uh, praying mantis people first. At yes. first, yes. And then, and, and then, then as Rick middles more and more, they mutate more and more. Specifically, this is this is what I love is that uh, is that he tries to he tries to bring people back from praying mantis monsters to regular people by. Uh, Coating them in DNA that he's smidged together from, and I quote, 
koala, rattlesnake, chimpanzee, cactus, shark, golden retriever, and just a smidge of dinosaur. <laughs> and it's just Morty's reaction of just, I don't, that's not how anything works. So yeah, basically the premise is love potion goes horribly wrong. Everyone's attracted to Morty. Everyone turns into praying mantises. Tries to eat Morty. Um, Rick tries to fix it. They all turn into more disgusting monsters. Um, massive worldwide apocalypse. And it's the ending to this one that made me a fan for life, I think. Oh, God, Because you yeah. think, how are they going to fix this? And the way they fix it is Rick <laughs> opens a portal to a world that was pretty much identical to the world that they are leaving, except that the love potion thing didn't happen, and instead Morty helped Rick with an experiment that killed them both, and Rick and Morty bury the bodies of their doubles and just quietly slip into their lives as if nothing had happened, traumatising Morty forever. And, yeah... It's, oh, that song at the end and everything. Leading, leading to a scene later in the series, or possibly in the second season, where yeah. Summer is having a freakout and Morty drags her to the window and points at the graves. It's the same season. And, yeah, it's two says, seasons later, yeah. There, there, that is where I buried myself. That, that, I am a double from another universe and I watched myself <laughs> die and buried myself in that grave. Yeah. I've got problems too. No, it's, it's, it's not, a, it's not a, like I've got problems too. It's like... Basically, later on, Summer, to, to put, like, we could talk about it in a bit, but basically Summer realises that in in the universe where her parents are happy and are living the lives they wanted to live, she was never she born. Was, she, yeah. she oh, that's right, yes. Aborted. Yes. Because it's the, uh, uh... And she decides to run away. What's that yeah. called? It's yeah, weird. and basically Morty comes through, and, like, they haven't had, I mean, him and his sister, they haven't had much interaction, but it has usually been the whole sort of uh, teenage brother and sister fighting, arguing stuff going on so it's just morty coming in and just talking to her and saying look you see those two mounds of earth out there and exp he explains the situation to her and says look oh yeah that's, that's right it's the nobody nobody exists for any reason nobody no belongs anywhere we're all gonna die let's go watch tv yeah it's nobody exists on purpose nobody belongs anywhere everybody's gonna die come have some ice cream yeah and it's just like oh because the, the premise of the episode is one side of it is Beth and Jerry seeing the different versions of themselves across the different across the multiverse, and the other side of it is the guys watching TV, and it's just it's amazing. It's just uh, interdimensional TV, which is just interdimensional TV because they can pick up TV from all over the multiverse, so they have infinite channels with infinite yeah. possible shows, and it's just. It's just clip after clip after clip of ablibbing. Yes, that's and... my favourite thing about this episode yeah. is that all of the different shows they watch and all of the different trailers they watch are complete ad-libs. It's the cast just coming up with ridiculous concepts and then having to animate over the top of it. it oh. And so you've got adverts where the characters are laughing at what they're saying in the advert yeah. I, love, I love that they keep in the corpsing it's so fucking hilarious to, uh, what was it the one I love it's uh, it's now time for man versus car and it's like a dude about <laughs> to fight a car then the car just runs him over and you can just hear yes. you can just hear Justin Royal in the background just going <laughs> wouldn't the car always win <laughs> <laughs> I think my favourite, and I'm trying to find the quotation, is the uh, the two brothers. 
Oh, oh the, my god! The full, the full title of the movie. Yes, and and then the fact that once he's ad libbed it once, there's no way he could possibly remember it again. So at the end, he's just like two two brothers. It's called two brothers. It's just called two brothers. <laughs> Well, one of my favorite ones actually comes from series two in that regard. Oh god, yes, yeah, they re- they revisit this the, the the format later on, don't they? Which which yes. which is great because Rick even points it out, breaks the fourth wall, and go about it, and goes, "I don't know why we're doing it because we nailed it the first time round." <laughs> yeah, it's like it's, it's their equivalent of a clip show. That's the one. Yeah, so the full narration of this trailer is <laughs> it's in theaters now, coming this summer two brothers in a van and then a meteor hit and they run as fast as they could from the giant cat monsters and then a giant tornado came and that's when things got knocked into 12th gear a Mexican armada shows up with weapons made from two tomatoes and you better bet your bottom dollar that these two brothers know how to handle business in Alien Invasion Tomato Monster Mexican Armada Brothers who are just regular brothers running in a van from an asteroid and all sorts of things the movie! Hold on, there's more! Old women are coming! And they're also in the movie and they're gonna come and cross-attack these two brothers but let's get back to the brothers because they're, they they have a strong bond you, you don't want to know about it here but I'll tell you one thing the moon, it comes crashing into the earth. And what do you do then? It's two brothers, and, and they, they've... It's uh, it's two brothers. It's called Two Brothers. It's just <laughs> called Two Brothers. And this is all animated as a movie trailer. And it's it's amazing. It's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. It's such a weird fucking episode. But do you know what? Gazorpa Zorpfield. This is his debut. Oh, Gazobzorp Field, yes. With that, that's such <laughs> Alien a Alien Garfield. It's such a weird little ad lib. Just the fuck you, John. <laughs> and I just love that they then say that in that in that universe, Lorenzo Music is still alive, <laughs> um, and and provided the voice of Peter Venkman in the real Ghostbusters, uh, and you know about how Bill Murray voiced Garfield in the movie. Yes. but I love that they specifically mention in that universe Lorenzo Music is still alive. Which is, which is lovely. <laughs> it is. Um, yeah. Do you know what's really weird about this? I didn't find this out until today. But like, did you uh, did you know how this episode was uh, how it originally aired? No. No. So about two weeks before the episode was due to air, right? Around about the same time as um, Rick Potion Number Nine was released, they released the the, ep- the entire episode on Instagram. Oh. What, as in fifteen individual... second chunks. Oh my god! They released the episode in one hundred and nine fifteen second chunks. So basically, all the clips on Instagram. That's no, no, amazing. Not the, clips, the whole episode. Oh right! Oh Christ! Officially, that's bizarre. That's pretty Why? great. That's amazing. <laughs> Why not? So yeah, just just thought it was a bit of fun there. Yeah. <laughs> and and then one of my favourite episodes. Oh, uh, something Ricky this way comes? Yes. With, with the devil. With Doc Ock voicing the devil. Oh my god. <laughs> Alfred Molina. <laughs> Such an where, where Summer gets uh, a job working in the devil's shop of cursed items. Until Rick comes along and realises that he has a machine he can invent a machine to Remove the curses from items, and just people only have the benefits. And and the devil doesn't charge for his goods. 
you know, the the payment is the curse. And, and I love that when Rick starts advertising on TV his curse removal service, uh, the devil isn't aware, but people just start running into the shop and going, is this the place with the free cursed items? And the devil's just like, uh, yes, but okay, I'm going to have this and this. Slow, slow down. Don't, don't you want to know anything about them? No, no, they're, they're free, right? Yeah? And just uh, loot his shop, basically. <laughs> And it's oh, it's a, it's such a nice little. I'm watching of... Rick give the devil a crisis of conscience. Yeah, it's it's so nice seeing like references to Needful Things and the Friday the Thirteenth TV show as well, like the shop with an accursed item and everything has a story to it. Um, like uh, what's it? Um, Morty's math teacher gets the is it a ring that makes him irresistible to women, but also makes him Im- uh, impotent? Yeah. Yes. And he's like, he suddenly understands the error of his ways and understands what's happening. And he's like, oh, I get it. And then um, Rick offering to cure him of the, the, you know, the curse. And it's just, I haven't learned a thing. (laughs) This is also the episode that gives rise to perhaps the gif most widely used of Rick and Morty, which is buff Rick and Summer beating the shit out of Nazis. Yes. (laughs) It's such a weird way to end an episode, but... (laughs) Where where what Summer wants is is actually just revenge. Yeah. And so Rick and Summer take steroids and lift a lot of weights and get hugely buff. And Whilst uh, X Gone Give It To You starts playing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and then decide why why waste this ability and then go on to beat up Nazis and Westboro Baptist Church protesters. Oh, also another little fun fact I found out about this post credits thing: uh, the Westboro Baptist Church guy with the with the sign. Yeah. Uh, for one frame, apparently, which is the frame that they were showing when they were doing all those, the, the storyboard stuff and showing it to people, uh, says, God hates everyone. So the censors let it pass. Huh. But if you watch it, it, it says that horrible thing that Westboro Baptist Church signs do say on them. But for one frame, it is God hates everyone. Interesting. I did not know that. Yeah, like I said, I've just been do- looking up a little bit, of, little bit of trivia here and there for the show just to throw some bits and pieces in there while we uh, while we go through the episodes. Hmm. That episode also spawns the uh, the gift that gets used for uh, Rick f- scans the microscope he gets given. Yes. And it would make him mentally retarded and Morty's like Oh, oh yeah, and he's oh. like, oh gee, Rick, I, I don't think you can use that word anymore. And <laughs> that whole no, conversation no, no. is yeah. brilliant. Like, yeah. No, 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 I, I mean, like, in the actual literal sense of the word, I'm not using it as an insult, I mean, literally. It would make me mentally retarded. It's like, and I just love that Morty's whole thing about, I, I know, but I, I don't think logic has a lot to do with it, Rick. I think it's just people who think they're well-meaning. <laughs> This is at the end of it, and Rick's just like, well, that's retarded. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, the show. Uh, and and then, then the plot happens. Yeah, just yeah. suddenly comes screeching in and saying, hi! Just almost at the end of season one, suddenly this, this plot comes and barrels into the universe, quite literally. Bird person. As the trans-dimensional council of Ricks catch up with Rick. Uh, specifically Rick C-137 yes who is the the sort of Earth Prime version of Rick that we have been following throughout these adventures yep because in the multiverse 
There are countless Ricks and countless Mortys. There's like, there's Cowboy Rick and Morty, there's Cronenberg Rick and Morty. There's Doofus Rick and Morty. I, no, there's Doofus Rick, but Doofus, Doofus Rick, Rick never had kids. So never had that's a true, yes. There's no yeah. Doofus Morty. So he got, give, he got, he adopted a Morty from a world where everyone looks like Eric Stoltz from Mask. <laughs> yes. Uh, Eric Stoltz, who was in the running to be cast as Marty in Back to the Future. Well, yeah. it all comes full fucking circle. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's the little side character I love. I fucking love Doofus Rick. I know he's adorable. He's like, oh, come on, guys, I don't eat my own poop. <laughs> I mean, my 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 favorite bit from that episode, uh, one favorite episode, is the um, Rick's like, "I'm the Rickiest Rick of them all," and you used to be you also used to be the Rickiest Rick before you made this council. Yeah, because he hates the government, and they all like all the Ricks hate the government. So some of them formed a government to get to protect themselves from it. The Transdimensional Council of Ricks. Yep. And, uh, and, yeah. and most Ricks appear to have fallen in line. Or, well, given that it's uh, a presumably infinite multiverse, an arbitrarily large number of Ricks <laughs> have fallen in line They're... with the Council of Ricks, and the ones who don't are too chaotic and disorganised to actually oppose it in any way. So the in- Transdimensional Council of Ricks is an incredibly powerful body. I mean, you've got our, our Rick, Rick, C- uh, C- uh, Rick C-137, who you know, is not interested and, and is the rickiest Rick of them all because he hates it as a government. But you also have Evil Rick. Oh god, who, Evil Rick. Well, that that's the plot, that there is yeah. an Evil Rick who uh, is not just in disagreement with the Transdimensional Council of Ricks, he's killing Ricks. He's going through dimensions killing Ricks, some, in some occasions by literally shoving their heads up their asses. Yes. And and they assume it is Rick C-137 because Rick has been framed. So Rick escapes and, of course, investigates to try and uncover the truth about who evil Rick is. And it's in this episode, isn't it, that we, we discover the actual purpose of Morty. Yes. So the, the reason Rick has been dragging Morty on all of these adventures. It, it turns out that Morty's brainwaves cancel out Rick's brainwaves. So as long as Rick has a Morty with him, it is impossible to track where he is using brainwave scanners, which apparently is a very big thing in the... So yeah, because Morty's brainwaves are, are basically the inverse of Rick's. Because he's so smart and Morty is... Morty is not. Yeah. Like, it's... Which... I always thought it was a bit weird, because Morty's not, like, super stupid. No. But I, I just like that Morty does not take that well. Yeah. Like, he, he is not happy about this. He is offended. Uh, rightly so, I yeah. think. And yes, this is the episode with the Gravity Falls reference. There's also some, uh, weird, yeah. also some weird parallel to Futurama. <laughs> with Fry. With his brainwaves being oh that yeah with the, yeah. the yeah. yeah with the brain the brain floating through space and all that um you'd also get another little random cutaway character that's uh the, the the lobster guard that works for Evil Rick who just who chuckles whenever Rick makes one of his like zingers and he's like yeah see oh, this yeah. guy gets zingers he's not laughing at you that's just a sound he makes every couple of seconds and yes then, <laughs> and the lobster <laughs> <just, laughs> like ah. <"Aw." laughs> 
it's so kind of creepy when you think about it, but yeah. But there's uh, one of the things I really like about this episode is it starts to get really heavy on the sci-fi references. Mm. Like, because they find Evil Rick in a dome that is oh, the coated dome. in Mortys, uh, being kept in constant agony, because the suffering enhances the brainwaves. Yeah. They're being constantly stabbed in the side. And, oh god, I can't remember what it is Rick says about that, but he says it's something like it's really it, inefficient. It, you could get the same effect but with five Mortys and a, a jumper cable. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, the, the, the Morty just looks at him like I've only theorized about it. I've never actually <laughs> do it. <laughs> but I mean that is kind of uh Hyperion's tree of pain right there. And the machine of unspeakable doom is is an Asimov reference. Almost. Oh, yes, the machine and... that switches it switches your conscious and unconscious minds, rendering all of your fantasies uh, pointless, whilst making everything you've ever known completely impossible to grasp. Also, every yes. every few seconds, it stabs your balls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that bit wasn't in Asimov. Yes, but, um... <laughs> <laughs> and even the ultimate reveal is a classic Harry Bates. Oh, with the the eye patch. The we won't, we won't say the true yeah. evil was not Rick. Ooh, ooh. The true evil is still out Spoil everything else. Why oh, are we going to say yeah. that it was Morty? Okay, evil Morty, who has <laughs> wires sticking out of his fucking eye. Yeah, I also love evil Rick pointing to the spectrum of Ricks, and he's like, "I'm here." Like from most evil to least evil. And he's like pointing out, I'm here, and you're there. And there's like a little blip between them. He goes, this guy here? Super weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it, it leads us on to the finale of season one. Uh, Rixy Business. Which is back to non-plot stuff, really. Sort of. Sort of. Uh... I mean, it does. It does set up a shitload for the next season. It does, but you don't know that at the time. And introduces us to another wonderful side character. Well, actually, quite yes. quite a few because you get Bird Person, you get Squanchy, but you get one of my favorites, Abradolf Linkler, Linkler. <laughs> <laughs> a genetic Fusion experiment of to yeah, yeah. Uh, fuse the DNA of Abraham Lincoln and Adolf Hitler to create a morally neutral super leader. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> the failed experiment to yes. create a morally neutral leader. Because yeah. he's just really angry and confused about his conflicting emotions. And has the greatest battle cry I've ever heard. Prepare to be emancipated from your own inferior genes. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, in this episode, Beth and Jerry are removed from the plot by going off to take a trip on the Titanic 2. The the perfect fan experience of the Titanic, guaranteed to sink. It is un-unsinkable. <laughs> I assure you, madam, this ship will sink. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Uh, and meanwhile, uh, they have a house party, because that's what teenagers do when the parents are away. Yep. And Rick don't give a shit. And Rick don't give a shit. Rick, more to the point, decides that their party is going to be lame and decides to invite his friends instead. Yeah. Which is why you get Bra uh, Bird Person, played by Dan Harmon. Yep. 
Well, you get Gearhead who keeps turning up. Oh god, Gearhead. Uh, I love Gearhead. Ravolio Clockberg Jr. <laughs> and of course Squanchy. Oh god. Who's just squanching in the garage. Being Tom Kenny playing a really badly drawn cat <laughs> with a drinking problem. It's not a drink, it's not a fucking drinking problem. There's a lot of problems. He's got a squanch. Just a drinking problem. <laughs> he has a squanching problem, my friend. He does have a squanching problem. He squanches like no one else squanches. <laughs> and Jessica. Oh, um, yes. Is that I forget that like, Summers No, not Summers when it's the girl from that that Morty has the crush on. Yes. Yes. And has done like throughout the entire season. Like, yeah. way back to the pilot. It was first introduced that Morty has a serious crush on this girl. Yeah. And also uh, Tammy. So, yeah. And oh, also Tammy, who God. <laughs> becomes amazingly important in the plot, but yes. not yet. Like, that came out of left field. But yes, yeah, Tammy uh, Guterman, who is Summer's friend. That's, that's who I was thinking of at the, at the beginning, yeah. Yes. She was in Me Seeks and Destroy. Oh, was she? Yep. Um, uh, Yeah, she's... Whilst... uh, Oh, yes, remember when Mr. Me Seeks is helping Summer and does the big public service announcement at her school about why Uh, you should be friends with Summer? Yeah. That's where they became friends. She's in the audience and... uh, also turns up in Love Potion number nine because most of the high school do. Yeah, yeah. And then she turns up at the house party with the aforementioned bizarre aliens turning up. Yes, and and the reveal that Rick's love 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 dub is actually just a cry of pain. In my language, it means I am in great pain. Please help. Well, he's <laughs> saying it ironically. No, he isn't. Like, oh, you look at it and just go, fuck, what, yeah, are you going dark, or are you going sad, or are you going, I don't know what's happening anymore. Which spawns all the theories about his, uh, what is is actually in his flask. Ah. Because we're led to believe that, obviously, he's an alcoholic. It's booze, clearly. Um, And two of the theories that come out from that. One is that it's actually the from the first episode, the seeds. You know the fact that they make they make you super intelligent. Uh, only if you put them in your butt. No, well, that's how it worked there. But the whole oh, point okay. of it is that you can process it and turn it into like a smart potion. Yeah, you know, and you can increase your intelligence that way. And so the fear, one theory is that that what's in the flask and that's the source of Rick's great genius yes ah. the other theory is that because the whole thing of you know blah, 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 is that it's not booze but it's some something he's created to keep him going keep him alive oh well that's and that he is in fact in immense pain constantly mm. that is depressing but the, the crucial part in terms of the ongoing, surprisingly complicated narrative is that they, they freeze time to clean up after the house party because Beth and Jerry kept back before they're ready. Yes. 
uh, in in their station wagon, which is the exact same model and colour as the National Lampoon's vacation station wagon. I thought, yeah. We forget to, we forgot to mention the fact of um, why they've got to fix the house. <laughs> because it's trashed. Like, taken to a different dimension, trashed. Yes. Surrounded by testicle <laughs> monsters. <laughs> yeah, no, not, not tentacle monsters. Testicle monsters. Yep, when, yep. when a Rick party gets out of hand, a Rick party gets super out of hand. Yep. Uh, so yeah, they they decide to clean up with with time frozen, and Rick turns to camera, breaking fourth wall, and informs the audience, "That's it. That's season one. That's how the season ends." Yeah, and yeah. There we go. I love as a way to finish season. <laughs> as they as they dance, I want to dance away because for some reason, certain factors still work. In this time, in this frozen time, it's it's a very plot convenient time freeze. Yes, in that at one point, uh, in the first episode of season two, which includes them just living in this frozen time for a really long time because they can't be bothered to unfreeze anyone. Six months. Six months. Uh, at one point, Morty is cleaning up his dad, vacuuming, and manages to put a new top on him. Despite the fact his arms aren't raised, he just pulls the shirt down and it fits him perfectly, which is the kind of magic you can only really do in cartoons. Yep. Yeah, and he's cleaning him because he's got mouldy. Yes, because Milt- he's been there for six months. Oh, mildewy. It's not my fault we froze time on a really humid day. <laughs> but I really like A Rickle in Time, the first episode of season two. Yeah. Because... Everything starts splitting up and everything, yeah. Like, yes. Like... It's like that... that... It's this episode which has one of my favourite Rick freakout moments. Is it when he starts shooting himself? No, it's when he's... Because I love that. That's great. No, but it's the bit where he's going, here's a secret for you for you two. I hate both of you. I can't tell you apart because I don't yeah. go by age or gender I, or height. I go by amount of pain in my ass. And I think that... And, he gets and you the, are identical. And he gets the whiteboard out to explain it. It's that bit. Yeah, you are both pieces of shit. <laughs> In fact, you know, let me get the whiteboard. This has been a long time coming. <laughs> yes, that was it. It's been, I love, this has been a long time coming. Yeah, it's that bit. Every time, I just, <laughs> it just gets me. I was like, this is amazing. This show is so good. But yeah, basically, after being frozen for so long, time shatters. And in a surprisingly concise and thoughtful uh, look at the uncertainty principle. The two halves of the split, despite starting with the exact same preconditions, begin to just subtly diverge to the point that in one Rick is standing on uh, the right and in one he's standing on the left, or Morty and Summer are stood on the wrong side of each other, but still saying exactly the same things. More or less. More or less, it's like what, uh, but they sometimes it's Morty will say what Rick, uh, what uh, Summer said in the other universe. Yes, so it's just that subtle, subtle divergence from the initial shattering between these two um, timelines. And Rick, being the super genius, comes up with using the time crystal and this device to put them back together. Except because they're stood in the wrong place. 
this attempt doesn't work and time shatters again into into quarters uh, which again diverge just subtly from each other so that each of them are slightly different and that's when we get my favorite rick freak out which is where he suddenly thinks that if he was him subtly diverged from what he's doing now he would realize he could do it by taking him out in another time possibility by putting the time crystal into a gun and he thinks the best way to stop himself from doing that is to do it to himself first <laughs> and he does this in a couple of the different timelines and this allows the gun to fire into a different timeline whereupon the rick suddenly under fire in that timeline decides to return fire and suddenly you've got all four ricks just dancing around the garage going if i was me where would i be hiding i'd be hiding there fuck you no <laughs> Kids, get in the get, get in get in the cupboard. No, wait. Think about getting in the cupboard. <laughs> well, the fact that they look outside and it's just floating, it's just yawning nothingness and cats floating by. Are they are they Schrodinger's cats? cats? Well, yeah, it was like I guess they're Schrodinger's cats. Well, I mean, they both are and aren't simultaneously. Oh, they're such good cats. Yeah. Um. And and yes. Yeah, so another testicle turns up. Oh, oh, the key and peel monsters. Yeah, yeah. Key and peel. There Damn, that, that could have been a really good. Se- that could have been a. That could have been a really good segue. Now that I think about it. <laughs> it could, Jordan, couldn't it? Yeah, Jordan Peele made Get Out. So uh, yeah, damn. We missed that, that one. Damn. All right, we, we can we, we'll fix it in post. It's fine. Season do do you want to do it now, and I'll edit it in? That's fine. Fuck it. Okay, because I wasn't going to edit it in. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> I'm not playing your game. <laughs> um, I also, I love, I love the, um, the, the stinger for, for that episode. Yeah. Whereas, like, it's, it's, it's the, the, the time cops going through time. It's just like... Yes. It's Looking like, for the super I told genius you, with I told the bad you, hair. I told you it's after the dinosaurs. Dude, half of time is after the dinosaurs. <laughs> And they go, right, there he is, there he is! They just sneak up behind what they think is Rick, and it's Albert Einstein, beat the shit out of him whilst yelling, You no do not mess with time! And then they just go away, and Albert Einstein's standing up and starts writing on his chalkboard, E equals MC squared, whilst going, I will really mess with time! I will, I will mess with time! I will mess <laughs> <laughs> It's so petulant, I love it! That's ridiculous. <laughs> Oh my god, some of the shit. Yep. Uh, uh, we, we, we then okay, get next. Morty Night Run with, uh, or as I call it, it's the Flight of the Concords episode. Oh Crumbobulous god. Michael. Yes, with Crumbobulous Michael the Assassin, who is so... It's probably my favourite Rick and Morty character. Ooh, here I go murdering again! <laughs> oh boy, oh, here I go killing again. I um, sure love killing. It's like... <laughs> Giving a business card over to someone and be like, if you need anyone killed for any reason, you just give me a call. I'll do it. I have no moral compass. I will kill women. I'll kill children. Hey, how you doing? It's just so smiley. Hi, Morty. I'm an assassin. Uh, I buy guns from your grandfather. So Morty is obviously like, you, you sell guns to assassins? <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, he's got to get them somewhere. And the assassin is off to kill a gaseous creature. Called Fart. Well... Rick, no. called, well, not Fart. called Fart. Who becomes called Fart? Fart. I like this name. Takes on the name. I like this name. Fart. <laughs> and Morty going, no, no, no. I love that oh, at the end okay, of it. Then. I love it that Morty at the end of it is like, okay, well, I guess goodbye, Fart. I'm, 
I'm really sorry your name became Fart. (laughs) (laughs) Voiced by Jermaine Clement. Yeah. Yep. So this is the episode in which Morty obviously has a moral issue with contracted murder and decides to try and save Fart. And ends up causing so much death. So... I just want to note, whilst Jerry is left in Jerry Daycare. (gasps) Jerry Daycare. Jerry Daycare. I am leaving, okay? That was always allowed. (laughs) Jerry Daycare, a facility built by a Rick. Not our Rick. As he says, I wish I was that guy. He's raking it in. Um, (laughs) For all the Jerrys that end up tagging along on adventures by mistake so they can be left in daycare and picked up later. Because they do not last long on Earth. So they don't last long well, not off, off Earth. Earth. Off Earth. Yeah. They are not good at being amongst aliens. Yeah. And as so we it's... discover, when he does actually leave and goes on to the rest of the space station and meets all the horrifying aliens yes. out there. <laughs> I, I love the activities available in Jerry Daycare, from ball pits <laughs> to movie night with a, an employee with a bad Beth mask on, <laughs> to trying to wire up a stereo properly so it gives good sound. Oh, it's oh, and then you got the, the Jerry's that have been there for a really long time, and uh, Jerry the Fleischman... Jerry's that were never collected. Yes, and and Mr. Fleischman in in some universes, Beth remarries. Yes, <laughs> I'm very respectful. I treat her right, <laughs> and I don't overstep my bounds with Morty. It's, like, it's your kid. I know that. Like what the shit? <laughs> <laughs> But yes, he's left in Jerry and, and This is another one. After Rick and Morty have already slid into the place of their dead replacements, at the end of the episode, we're not sure which Jerry they get back. Yes, because they they got the they don't have the chip with them. They don't have the the, the sheet. They just have like a, a play thing from the the. They don't have their receipt chip, ticket. Chips oh, and from, bits. Yeah, from Roy. They get the Roy card. <laughs> that fucking oh, game. Oh god, that game. Where you play? I'm Roy. No, it's like you, you play an entire person's life. And yeah, R- Morty coming out of it when he's like rubbing his head, going, "I'm Morty, you're you're Rick." So <laughs> like the moments of adjust, like, "Holy shit, I want to play this game," but also no. And Rick <laughs> playing Roy, just going completely off the grid. <laughs> this this <laughs> guy's taking Rick off the grid. He doesn't have a social security number. <laughs> <laughs> Roy, a life well lived. That's a VR game I want to play. <laughs> Wow, you went back to the carpet store after beating cancer? Lame. <laughs> so yeah, Morty um, tries to stop Grumbobulous Michael from killing Fart uh, and accidentally kills the assassin himself. Crashes into him. Yep. And and decides to try and help Fart get home. So that's the sort of A plot of this one. Yep. Uh, the local enforcement are obviously chasing because there was this accident, somebody died, and it's a huge getaway, and eventually Morty returns Fart to the wormhole from which he came, and, and Fart's like, thank you, now I can go and, and cure this this universe. So, wait, what? I will return for your cleansing. And it turns out Fart is part of a super-intelligent gaseous organism that is going to kill all carbon-based life. And so Morty murders Fart. By asks it to sing its song one last time. Yes. Oh God, the song. Yeah, because well, when you got Flight of the Concords, I guess. Moon man, moon man. <laughs> I love that song so much. It's, it's a just... proper psychedelic trippy 
it, folk it, rock. It just sounds like bullshit when you first hear it, and then you go back and you go, oh, it is actually a song about wiping out solid life. Quasar shining in the sky. Like, when you, well, yeah, again, when you see Jermaine Clement voice turning up, you're like, there's going to be some fucking weird, funny songs in this, isn't there? Yep. And really, there was only the one. Well, yeah. But it, but it got played a couple of times. It did. It used to make a, a gear cop commit suicide. It's it's very very Bowie, and we get we get oh yeah we, we yeah. get the return of Rivolio Clockberg Junior. We do gear uh, gearhead. Gearhead turns off again, <laughs> which is I do love that because it's something that it's a discussion I've had with Rowan because we're we're starting to watch uh, Justice League, the the old uh, two thousand and one cartoon. Oh nice! And we just come to this conversation. We go wait, so Hawk Girl, yes. like she's she's got wings, and that's why they call her Hawk Girl. But like yeah, yeah. in that in that universe. They're not like bionic or anything. She's the from an alien wings. race, yes. which all have wings. Is that yeah. not super racist calling her Hawk Girl? Thanagar. Yeah, her name's Thanagar. Yeah, one of the, the planets Thanagar. Yeah. yeah. Like, so isn't it like, massively racist to call her Hawk Girl because she's got wings? As, as, or much as, like calling Gearhead Gearhead. Yeah, as he points out, like I come from an entire race of gear-related people. Calling me Gearhead is like calling a Chinese person Asia Face. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh yeah, when he turned up at the party, I forgot that he had Spock's loot from the original series. Yes. Which is wonderful. And, and yeah, he basically points out that that's horribly racist. And then Rick rips out his testicle gears and oh, shoves them where his mouth gears were. I love the cop's reaction. I was like, oh my god, are those his... He gets the robot man throw up. Yep. Yes. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Morty becomes a murderer. A multi-murderer. Accidental and deliberate yeah. in one episode. Rendering his entire... <coughs> the entire purpose of the episode pointless because... Like all those deaths, he like the accidental deaths he caused were to save the life of Fard, who he then kills. Yep. yep. Yeah. Uh, a point that he refuses to confess to Rick. Yeah. Insisting that he did return Fart home and it was all beautiful and it was fine. Yep. Because he wants to hold that moral high ground. <laughs> Which, when you're talking about Rick, is easy to do. <laughs> And this is followed by possibly my favourite episode. It is actually my favourite as well. Autoerotic assimilation. This is the episode of the hive mind. It's got Patton Oswalt in it. Uh, it has got Patton Oswalt in it as the other hive mind. Ah! As Beta 7. <laughs> Who are like dumpy Borg people. <laughs> They're all betas. Yep. Uh, they uh, are. Yeah. Um... And Christina Hendricks as Unity. Well, not as the sort of I'm, lead I'm sorry. Unity. I'm sorry, I think you'll find Unity appeared as themselves. Yes. What? <laughs> According to the credits. Ah. But like But Christina Hendricks plays one of the bodies that Unity embodies. The the sort of the main should we say like the main one, the leader of the planet. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Even the, the subtle thing of they even designed the character to be more mm, Christina Hendricks. Yes. <laughs> yeah. They, they did. Yeah. Um, it it has some really interesting things of working with the whole like hive mind thing, where, where Rick's walking around having the conversation with Unity, 
and like the body that he's talking to walks onto a bus and someone else walks off the bus and the conversation carries on with that person who then goes into a building and the conversation carries on with the homeless person sitting in the street mm. and it, it's really quite a nice little like it's all done for laughs essentially but it's quite well done really really sort of nicely shot um, we also get to see just how uh, sexually liberal Rick is. Oh yeah, this is this is the sort of confirmed pansexual uh, Rick Sanchez episode. The many, many different of Unity's bodies with which he decides to get it on. <laughs> to, to begin with, it's the... Well, he starts making out with one and there's like, no, 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 not like this. I need <laughs> every available redhead in a stadium and I want all of the stands to be packed full of men that even remotely resemble my father. <laughs> and I need a hang glider and a crotchless Uncle Sam costume. Which <laughs> is like, I want to show that this the section out of context to someone of just Rick on a hang glider in an Uncle Sam costume, hang gliding into a stadium yelling, I need you! Whilst uh, all these voices in unison just go, go son, go! <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, and it just sort of spirals out from there, including, I'm not looking for any judgment, just a simple yes or no. Can you assimilate a giraffe? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and also the bit where Unity, whilst Rick watches, bombs a whole city. Yes. And Rick is momentarily taken aback, and then she's like, "It's fine, we evacuated." Oh, the look on your face. Hi, Rick. <laughs> He's like. Ah. My grandkids weren't in that town, were they? But are my grandkids okay? <laughs> Probably. Because yeah, he decides to start, you know, living in the old days with his with his ex hive mind, uh, and they take a whole whole lot of drugs and do a whole lot of drinking, have a whole lot of fun. I just love that it ends when Summer points out to Unity. That Rick is a bad influence. Yeah, it's it. It starts off with like <laughs> Summer trying to sort of go, "Oh, this is horrible. It's a hive mind. It's it's controlling people. It sort of spreads among people by like it essentially infects them and then gets them to vomit into each other's mouths to control their minds, which obviously sounds horrific. Um, and, and but as as time goes on and uh, Unity stops losing control of them. You realise things probably weren't that great on that planet before Unity turned up. And also Unity is dealing with some issues because Rick is not a great lover. No, he's he's um he's kind Selfless. of toxic. Yeah. Well it's not the it's, Yeah. Yeah, it's it's hmm, I don't know. I don't know if selfish is necessarily the right word. I mean, it, it definitely does sum up Rick. I'm not going to lie. Well, they, I think toxic in this toxic, case is yeah, probably the better word. Yeah. yeah. It's it's he thinks like he's expecting very different things from from the relationship um and to what to what unity is like i said unity does say it like starts with that she's moved on that she's grown that they've grown yeah, it's, it's so confusing when you've got like the main i want to keep oh. thinking of unity i think like the main one that, that does all the sort of the talking and everything well, and they, the they used to be was it they used to be the size of a small town, small town in, yeah in Texas, and now several planets um and yeah so, but Rick is basically getting Unity so smashed at the parties, yeah, that they lose control. His control starts to waver, and that's when the race war immediately begins. <laughs> oh, yes, <laughs> with the guy running Post past the, the screen, streak like sort of yelling, just race war. 
<laughs> they they have uh two distinct races on the planet: people with flat concentric circle nipples and people with cone nipples. And they they corner Summer and Morty, and they're like, "Which side are you on?" And they're like, "Neither." <laughs> it's like these people don't have nipples. I. And suddenly the entire world is against them. The, the made-up racial slurs as well, just, they sound so biting and horrible. It's the guy pointing at the, the, the cone nipple man and going, I ain't gonna take that from no knife-nippled bastard. <laughs> <laughs> and they go, bring, bring it on, you target-chested piece of shit. Like, whoa. It, it, it's it's just Morty going, ah, oh, Summer, your first race war. <laughs> <laughs> so Summers develops this feeling for unity yeah, and uh... unity unity rescues them from getting killed by the crowd and it's just unity's line saying yeah no i'm just i'm just quite a bit drunk probably shouldn't be flying a helicopter also shouldn't be running several thousand icus and 12 million deep fryers oh well <laughs> hey, do you want to do you want to stop get some get some coffee or splash some water in your face oh no if i wanted to sober up i wouldn't have gotten drunk i love that logic <laughs> but yes, it all comes to a head when when Summer essentially convinces Unity that Rick is a bad influence. And it is one of the things that I like is the the sort of increasing prominence of Summer in the narrative. Yeah, uh, season two definitely starts to bring yeah. her in more and more, and as a as like a foil to Rick almost that she doesn't put up with the shit that Morty does. Yeah. And, I mean, she's not the inverse of his brainwave. Yes, <laughs> so she yes. is there to to call him out on it. But then, perhaps the weirdest episode. Well, I was going to say, like, um, the, end, the end of this episode, Autoerotic Assimilation, is... Oh, man. This is what really, like, pushes it over into one of my favourites. Like, the territory of being my favourite. The, uh, when Rick comes home after Unity's broken up with him. Oh my god, yes. Yeah. We can't, we can't gloss over that. Oh, good point. Yeah. So, Rick goes into his into his garage and uh, pulls out some orange chemicals on a creature, like a lump of stuff, and brings it to life. Then blows it up with a laser gun. Well, no, no, he creates a machine. machine. Yeah, that sort of will vaporize it. It like, charges up and then vaporizes anything under the uh, the scope. He then drinks the orange liquid that he used to create life, and also uh, apparently this is this is from like the author notes, so from from uh, from Harmon Royland is that um, that 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 chemical he drank was apparently supposed to uh, sync him up with all of his iterations across the multiverse. Ah. Oh. So what he's doing here, he was attempting to do to all the Ricks. Oh, wow. Uh, and he places his head under the scope and sets it to go and passes out maybe a half a second before it goes off. Yeah. Just passes out and lands face first on the table right before he kills himself. And possibly every Rick. Yeah. While what song's um, playing? It's, it's... Do You Feel It by Chaos Chaos. Yeah. Now, Chaos Chaos is a weird fucking band. I didn't. I, I started listening to this song today because, again, I watched Autoerotic Assimilation today and I was like, fuck, this song is really good. I'm going to go back and listen to this. And then I found the band is called Chaos Chaos. Uh, and I found out they were, they were originally called uh, Smosh. Yes. Now, Smosh. No, Smoosh. Smoosh. Sorry. Yeah. Smoosh formed in 2000, right? 
formed by two sisters. Yep. One was born in 1992. Mm-hmm. And the other was born in, what, 94? That's right, yep. So they were eight and six when they formed the band. Yes, they were. What the fuck? Wow. And they've been going since then. They've changed the name. They changed the name in 2012 to Chaos Chaos. And yeah, they're still going. And making really fucking beautiful music. Um, if you if you really want to get a good like one of those I it'll either uplift you or it'll really depress the shit out of you. Go and listen to Do You Feel It by Chaos Chaos. It's it's really good. Really good solid song. Uh, supposedly the band started when the sisters were taken to a music shop. Uh-huh. Um, and they were supposed to be getting a violin, uh, but they ran into Jason McGuire, the Death Cab for Cutie drummer. Oh! And, and left with a drum kit. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and that is how they got started. They got their, they got their name. They got their name because they were like, Smash Mouth is fun to say. <laughs> like, <laughs> fucking hell. And, and now they are Chaos Chaos. Yeah, and uh, hopefully they've grown out of liking to say Smash Mouth. <laughs> I don't know. Saying Smash Mouth is quite fun. It is quite fun. Anywho, um, it's 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 the first, but definitely not the last instance of using a really beautiful, really haunting song uh, oh, over God. the ending of a, a Rick and Morty episode. Yeah. You say that, but the the finale of season two. Yeah. It it when we get to it that, it didn't haunt me. It made me laugh. We'll get to that. Oh, okay. Great. I pissed myself laughing. Okay. <laughs> we'll get. To, yeah, we will get to that though. We will indeed. But first, we have to go through Total Rickle, which I love. Such oh my a god! Fucking weird episode. <laughs> it is absolutely one of the most fucked up episodes. So there's a uh, an alien that is a psychic parasite, and basically it invades your memories and puts itself into your memory so you remember it always having been there. It's one of our first visitors from Keith David. Yes. Oh yes, um, re- so first giraffe. Basically <laughs> this this appears and Rick kills it and says, you know, we need to be on the lookout for more, you know, any wacky characters turn up, it's gonna be a problem. Cut to Mr. Poopy Butthole. Mr. Yes. Poopy Butthole. Mr. Poopy Butthole, who how to describe Mr. Poopy Butthole? He's a long yellow head on a tiny body with a top hat. With a top hat. Uh, who, who agrees that, yeah, you've got to watch out for any wacky characters turning up. And so Rick makes a little sign on the wall saying there are six people in the house, meaning Rick, Beth, Morty, Jerry, Mr. Poopy Butthole, and Summer. I guess he always puts Summer last. Yes, even after Mr. Poopy Butthole. And and he locks down the house, closing blast shields over every window and door, trapping everyone inside until they're absolutely sure they're clear. Which, you know, that's... Uh, everyone's a bit upset about being locked in until Mr. Poopy Butthole reminds them all of that time they got stuck in the elevator with Cousin Nicky, uh, who I'll suddenly turns up. I'm walking here! <laughs> Yes, they all have fucking catchphrases. Yep. So, <laughs> Mr. Beauregard! After they have their flashback to remember being saved from the elevator by Cousin Nicky, um, 
Rick looks at the sign, realizes there are seven people, and shoots cousin Nicky, and he turns into a dead parasite. Hooray! Um, I can't remember what causes the next flashback, but that's when Mr. Beauregard turns up. The family butler, yeah. The family and, butler. And you get such... Apparently, he was there the whole time, sort of hiding away. He's the original yeah. parasite, because he's in some of the... Uh, Opening sequences of the series. Ah, okay. Um, yes, yeah. Uh, you got you get Frankenstein's monster turns up. Um, yep, reverse giraffe. Reverse giraffe. Uh, photography uh, raptor. Elvis. Yep. Like yeah. Photo raptor. I like photo raptor. You've got some horrible, horrible. Yes, is that that's Tara Strong's character? Isn't yes, it? yeah. With the bubbles voice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's like a beef eater. There's a flamingo. There's Pen a unicorn. Yes, <laughs> I can't kill Pen Sylvester. You'll have to do it for me. <laughs> oh, and Shakespeare Sleepy Gary. turns up. Sleepy Gary. Oh my God, Sleepy Gary. Oh God, Who is, that's such a <laughs> that's such a mind fuck because Sleepy Gary convinces, like, creates the memory that Sleepy Gary is Beth's actual husband. Yeah, and yeah. that Jerry is the friend of the family. But that Jerry and Sleepy Gary sort of almost had a thing on a yacht. Yeah. It no, was, did um, have a thing. It did have yeah, a never in the house. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it gets so fucking weird as they start spawning and, and splitting and everything. And it, I didn't realise this. Refrigerator turns up. Oh, Mrs. Jar. Refrigerator. Um, like, so... Uh, it, it's a bit. It's linked as well to Mr. to the Mr. Meeseeks thing. The idea of all these characters turning up, and the more they create each other, the more they become bizarre and and sort of dysfunctional. Like the Meeseeks, the more they create, like they become, you know, these sort of ridiculous clones and everything. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize that uh, Dan Harmon worked on a, uh, a an internet animated short a while ago, which is. It was funny at the time, but it's super fucking creepy in retrospect. Right. Uh, House of Cosby's. Oh, God. Did anyone... Okay. okay. No. So before we knew all this shit, uh, it, was a, it was an animated short about a man who got some of Bill Cosby's DNA and created a cloning machine and cloned his own Bill Cosby. Right. But he created several of them, and they got progressively worse and worse, just, like, until you had... Cosby's that only figured in one aspect of his TV characters. So there was like Storytime Cosby and Always in the Bathtub Bill Cosby. And it's the same kind of thing with like all these characters. Just the further they go on, the more bizarre they become until they are literally just like talking pencils or Mrs. Refrigerator. Yeah. Hmm. But um, this episode has some of my favourite trivia attached to it. Yeah? Do you know what the actual inspiration for the idea behind this parasite who just edits your memories and inserts itself was? Is it is it those old like sitcoms from the 80s where like a random-ass character would go, Oh, it's Uncle Jack! You know? He, he, nope, you know do you remember nope, him? It was, it was oh, okay. Dawn in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Ah! Oh. turns up and everyone just remembers her. Yeah. Interesting. One of the writers thought that was perhaps the best horror element in all of Buffy. <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. That is quite powerful if you use it right. 
Yeah. Um, but the other bit of trivia I love in this is uh, Rick running in with his collection of limited edition Zelda 3DSs. <laughs> yes. Because they're going to go up in value. And that is inspired by the fact Justin Roiland actually did that when the yep. limited edition Zelda 3DS came out. <laughs> when they were cheaper at Walmart than they were at uh, trade-in uh, value uh, elsewhere. So yeah. You could buy them and then sell them at a higher price. It's like, ah. Oh. And they're just turning to the camera and going, Nintendo, sell me, give me things. <laughs> give me things. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the way they actually unraveled this mystery is they realized that it can only create happy memories. So they look at each other and think, do I have a bad memory of this person? And if you've got a bad memory of them, you know you're safe. <laughs> but if you can only remember good things, it's a parasite. Queuing the the action sequence of the family realizing they all have terrible memories of each other bonding together and murdering all of the parasites with an arsenal of weapons that looks like it belongs in halo like a lot like it belongs in halo <laughs> yeah yeah like seriously check out those rifles that is master chief's assault rifle <laughs> and you get like yeah i love that the sort of searching through memories and you get like uh summer and her mother so you got Summer and Beth, like, remembering Beth being drunk on the bed and essentially giving her a black eye on photo day. Yes. And then going, no, it's fine, it's fine, we can cover it up. <laughs> Doing the whole abusive mother thing, but not quite. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's horrible. Beth, Beth and Jerry, when you've got, like, Jerry running, running away from the homeless person, locking himself in the car. <laughs> and Beth out there with the homeless like, person. Just run! Off. Open the just run. Open the door. No, they say you shouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Leading to them sitting around, glad that they sorted it all out at dinner, and and Beth just eyeing Mister Poopy Butthole, just side eyeing him. Yep. And, and so uh, she pulls out a gun and shoots him, and he just drops, bleeding, yeah. screaming. But the way she does it, it's like without a second thought, she just drops him. Yeah, it's like yeah. Well, as she says, my my, I, I I don't know what happened. I I had no bad memories. Yeah, <laughs> and it's the after credit stinger on this one is so harsh. Oh. It's the family going to check on Mister Poopy Butthole in hospital, and the nurse coming out and saying that he's he's recovering well, but he's asked that you know they not they, that they leave him alone, and he he gave me a message to give to you. It, it's weird. Maybe it will make sense to you. He he said. He was sorry you didn't have any unpleasant memories of him. Oh. And he was real the whole time. And it's the strangest ending to that episode. Yeah, apparently there's a few hints and, and turns throughout the episode that he is actually real. Well, there's also... Um, the hint is he appears in the opening sequence of that episode. Yes. In, in almost every scene. And not one of those scenes could be described as a happy memory. Yes, no. and, the, and uh, Mr. Beauregard turns up in the opening scene as well, but it's like a happy pillow fight. Yes, it is. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So his is a happy memory. So there you go. Uh, and then... Then... Ice tea turns up. Oh, fucking... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> This has such great <laughs> throwaway concepts, and I'm not like, in, not, including but not limited to 
the president asking for various singers, and every time he names them, it turns out they've died. He's like, do I just have the power to kill people by naming them? <laughs> so, giant heads appear in the sky. Yep. Yelling, show me what show you got! got. What this basically means is that the worlds that they appear around have to put on a performance for them and please them, or they will be vaporized. And they are taken away to essentially X-Factor, but planet-wide. And fatal. Yeah, like, if you don't if you don't pass the audition or you don't get voted for, your planet gets destroyed. If you try and resist, your planet gets destroyed. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, an earthquake has hit the Grammy Awards, killing all the musicians on Earth. Just, just roll with it. Um, except Ice-T. <laughs> so, Rick and Morty decide to put on a show and write a song called Get Swifty. Well, they don't even write it, they just sort of improv it. Yes. I like what you got! Um... While all the while the B plot is some kind of crazy ass thing about the school principal starting a religion around the heads. Yeah. Uh, it's so weird. Which Summer is totally into. Yes, because she likes to conform. It it turns her into the best version of herself. Yep. Um And yes, so uh, there's a whole bunch of universe traveling, the day gets saved. Uh, by Ice T. By Ice T, who it turns out. Who initially out... abandons Earth. Yes. Because he was not a human at all. He's he's actually an Alpha Betrian, who are yes. a race of alphabet people. Yep. <laughs> he is actually <laughs> he is actually Water T. Yep. They they basically everyone on his planet is is uh an element and a letter. Uh, a letter. They are His dad was Magma Q. Magma Q, who, ex who exiles him from Alpha Betrium for not caring enough about people, and freezes him, so he becomes Ice T. But then the Numbericons, <laughs> who are numbers, attacked his planet and killed Magma Q, which leads to the best, the best one-liner from from now Water T. It's just it's down to crunch the numbers. <laughs> I love that number. It's just, uh, I also just love that it, it's entirely the entire reason he's there is because that Dan Harmon just I can't remember if it's Dan Harmon or Justin Roiland, which one of them it is, that just really loves doing ice tea impressions. I think it's Dan Harmon. Yeah. And apparently I'm that's pretty sure Dan Harmon did Ice T's voice. Yeah, and then you you've also got Keith David as the president. Yes. Which is amazing. Well, presumably the president uh, being, of course, the saint, I guess, from Saints Row, uh, has given up the job, and Vice President Keith David has taken over. Ah, excellent. He's just called the president, yeah. Yeah. Um, and you've got Kurtwood Smith as, as his sort of general as well. So Clarence from uh, from Robocop. And then things get a bit deep and existential. The Ricks must be crazy. Yeah. So, 
they go to a, like uh, Morty, Summer, and Rick go to a dimension that has the best ice cream. That that's it. It, it seems know. like a pretty gentle opening yeah. for an episode. They start off coming out of a cinema. Well, it is. They went to see a film. Oh, okay. And it was a bad film. But Rick goes, I know a universe that has the best ice cream. Yeah. And when they get back to the ship, it won't start. So Rick's like, right, we're going to have to go into the battery. Yeah. But they, they leave Summer behind. And he's just like, bear in mind that on this in this universe, uh, humanity shares the planet with a race of giant man-eating telepathic spiders. So, so just stay here, stay safe, and uh, try and ignore any thoughts that feel spidery. <laughs> well, and also he gives the immortal oh. command to his car, protect Summer. Keep, Keep Summer safe. Summer safe. Summer safe. Oh, God. God, yeah. Oh, uh, I I remember. Sh- I think I showed. Yeah, I think this is one of the first episodes I showed to Rob. And some of the iterations of Keep Summer Safe, I just watched him collapse on the inside <laughs> as as you. Well, it's it's the beauty of uh the age old science fiction conundrum of a machine that does exactly what it is told, yep. rather than what it is intended. Um, yeah. So a plot. Rick and Morty go into the car battery, and it turns out that Rick created a tiny universe inside. A miniverse. A microverse. Uh, oh yeah, sorry, it's the microverse. Uh, which is filled with tiny little alien people who... No, I think it's the miniverse first. No, it's the microverse, it's the microverse then the miniverse. And then the teeny... Then the... No, I thought they actually followed the correct naming order, which is mini and then micro. I could be wrong. I, I mean, I'm... I'm pretty sure it's micro first. I know, I know. It's, well, then they got it the wrong way around. I know, I know it's Tinyverse at the bottom. Yeah. Teenyverse. Teenyverse. Um, and then, yeah, he's, he's enslaved an entire universe of people who, who work and toil all day to power his car, but they don't know it. They think he's an alien. And it's also not slavery because they get paid. They pay each other to the jobs. So that just sounds like slavery with extra steps. Uh, but it turns out that they've stopped working because they can now power everything themselves because one of their scientists has created another tiny universe that he uses to power his planet. And they go inside it. And inside that is a scientist who is thinking of creating a tiny universe. Yeah, it's it's micro than mini than teeny. Yep. Um, a tiny verse. And essentially, you get this whole "oh god, it's 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 turtles all the way up" problem <laughs> of, of uh, Zeep, the uh, the Stephen Colbert alien, uh, realizing that his universe was created by Rick, uh, and this does not sit well with him. Uh, they get well, stranded inside the the uh, the miniverse, and they get stranded in. Is it the miniverse? It is the miniverse, yeah. Because yeah, they get stranded in the miniverse because the sci- the scientist that took them into the miniverse, yeah, the scientist from the miniverse, shows them the teeniverse, shows them their teeniverse, tinyverse, yeah. Uh, no, he's he's working on it, and then um, yeah, the 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 the, uh, the miniverse scientist basically goes, wait, shit, so this is all meaningless. I'm I'm a creation of a creation, etc., etc., etc. And he's just like, so none of this mattered. And like goes on this whole rant where he's just like, you know, my father's funeral, all this shit. And it's like, 
Oh god, and he just drives into a wall and kills himself. Yeah. Stranding them all there. And uh, they they are there for a couple of months, which, you know, as time slows down and whatnot, actually is only an hour or so in our time. Which, you know, for someone who hates Inception, Dan Harmon certainly riffs on it enough. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, they, they do eventually escape. At some point, Morty goes native. He's like, these are fine people. They they respect the land. And they respect one another. They just grabs Rick and he's like, you've got to get me out of here. These people are fucking <laughs> savages. They eat every third baby because they think it makes fruit grow big. <laughs> I miss my I miss my family, I miss my house, I miss my laptop. I masturbated to an extra curvy piece of wood. Meanwhile, on the outside, oh, God. <laughs> the car has initially started by killing people. Well, yeah. a guy tries to get inside because, like, Summer tries to ignore him. Like, the whole, like, ignore the, 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 the homeless guy and maybe he'll go away. Uh, he gets very aggressive, so the car says, keep Summer safe, and disintegrates him. The next guy comes along. <laughs> And she says, don't kill him. It says, understood. And shoots a laser through his spine and paralyzes him. And he just cries and screams and crawls around like, oh, God. Which to me is a wonderful reference to um, Terminator 2. He'll live. Because it's where John Connor is like, don't kill anybody. And yeah. the Terminator just shoots everybody. And it's like, you live. Um, and uh, <laughs> Zero yeah. casualties. Oh, I, lo- I love that when he just scans it just a zero casually. He's like, you used a fucking minigun! <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> um, and then you get the, like, the cops turning up and she's just like, no, don't physic- like, don't, don't cause any physical harm. It's like, just sits there thinking for a moment and goes, understood. And it's this, this <laughs> my favorite sequence where like, it rolls. It ejects a small child from the front of the car. A little capsule rolls out, opens up. A small child comes up, and it's the it's the dead son of one of the cops, or it appears to be the dead son of one of the cops. He, he, he just starts crying, and the and the child says, "Daddy, leave leave the spaceship alone," and then melts, just dissolves away in front of his grieving father, yeah. having caused no physical harm. <laughs> <laughs> so and then the, ship, and then the ship's like it's just like you all have loved ones oh <laughs> you all have loved ones all can be returned all can be taken away keep summer safe oh god <laughs> and just summer's just sitting in the in there utterly mortified I, I love Mrs. Summer is safe and she just crawls up into the field position and goes I don't feel safe <laughs> <laughs> And I mean that whole sequence with the car keeping Summer safe is so good that I completely overlook the fact that this car has no power source currently. Yeah, yeah. it's this massive plot hole, but the jokes are worth it. Um, I'm just I'm trying to find the the, the quote where it's like, uh, "My priority is to keep Summer safe, not keep keep Summer in a state where everything is like totally cool and stuff, and she will be totally stoked." <laughs> That's you. That's how you sound right now. Johnny. Yeah. Um, she basically just sort of decides that she's gonna. She finally manages to convince it not to not to kill, harm, psychologically torture anyone. None of this. Uh, and she's just like the car is just like that's fine. You're not making this easy. 
Yes, that's right. <laughs> it's the, I am able to destroy this army. To clarify, I am quite able to destroy this army, but you will not permit it. Right. You also refuse to authorize emotional countermeasures. If you're talking about melting ghost babies, yes. <laughs> no more of that. Confirmed. I am currently constructing a security measure in compliance with your parameters. But I do want to say, you're not making this easy. <laughs> and the, 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 the ship manages to broker peace between the, spy, the telepathic man-eating spiders and the humans. And uh, yeah, so they, they, everyone decides to leave the car alone because it did a good thing. I also love the uh, the wonderful line from Rick quite early at the beginning when they discover the car won't start. And Morty's like, gee, what's wrong, Rick? Is it the quantum carburetor or something? And it's like, quantum carburetor? Jesus, Morty, you can't just add a sci-fi word to a car word and hope it means something. Okay, looks like something's wrong with the microverse battery. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, um, so yeah, that's such a weird fucking episode, especially hey, it's such it, a dark note for the microverse as well. Like and you got the whole, they the whole bit. That if they if they don't keep up the work, then Rick will just throw the battery away and destroy their universe. And you got the bit of um, as they're trying, as they're chasing each other, that uh, Rick like. Morty, you got to turn into a car. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and straight in reference to the Transformers, to Daniel in the Transformers, <laughs> Rick reveals that Morty has an implant that allows him to concentrate and turn into a car, leading to one of the weirdest Family Guy-style cutaway moments. At the end, yeah. Oh, the, yeah, the, the, the stage. Yeah. When he's sitting in class and turns into a car. Uh. That was that was a weird one, uh, but we do then get my second favorite episode. Oh, uh, big troubling big little, trouble Sanchez. little Sanchez! Yes, Tiny Rick, Tiny Rick, I'm Tiny Rick. In which Rick transplants his consciousness into a teenage body in order to go to high school. Which is weird because they do tell everyone that he is actually a, a man in his sixties in a teenager's body. Yes, they don't try and hide that. Even the principal knows, and he's just like, I'm okay with this. Yep. Yep. And I think my favourite thing about this episode is the fact that Tiny Rick has the subconscious urge to call for help throughout the episode. And it's all of his songs and art and everything yep. that just has the, this this is horrible, please end my suffering. But Tiny Rick himself wants to live. Let me out. Let me out. This is not a dance. <laughs> I'm begging for help. I'm screaming for help. It's it's just genius. Um, to the point that like the Tiny Rick stuff is so good. I forget what the plot of the episode is. I just really really that, like Tiny that, Rick. It's the the B plot is that um, Jerry and Beth are sent off to marriage counselling. Where that bit I do remember. Yeah, that's fucking hilarious. They, the way this marriage counselling works is that they have their brain scanned and a. Uh, their subconscious... A simulacrum of their subconscious images of each other are created. And so you get to see what your spouse essentially thinks of you, or like subconsciously how they feel about you. And Jerry gets scanned and creates this gigantic xenomorph-like killer monster. Um, and Beth creates 
a kind of pathetic worm, worm slug monster that keeps shoving its ass in the air. Um, yeah, that was weird. And the trouble is that Jerry's view of Beth is so psychotically self-centered and conniving uh, that it ends up escaping and running rampage through the marriage counselling facility. Using the Jerry projection as well. Because as the counsellor says, oh my god, they're codependent! (laughs) (laughs) I cannot remember the counsellor's name. Uh, What was his name? uh, Glaxo Slim Slom. Voiced by Jim Rash. Yes. Yes. Uh, it, I wanted to get to the fact that it was voiced by Jim Rash. Oh, I see. Who is, is one of the, the greatest parts of Community. Yep. And indeed, his appearance here is fantastic as well. Um, but I love that the problem is solved. In, in every story where Beth and Jerry are, are shown to be a terrible relationship and they somehow talk each other into say, uh, staying... I love that they create increasingly idealized versions of each other in their subconscious to fight it. Yeah. And and Jerry creates the actual goddess version of Beth. And yeah. But it's not actually Jerry that creates it. Beth creates an idealized version of Jerry who is smart enough to see her for what she is, a goddess. Well, he's massive. And then the idealized Jerry. Well. Yeah, he's big buff guy. And then the big buff guy's idealized version of Beth is a literal goddess who has the powers of a goddess and fixes everything. <laughs> it's a strange episode. Yeah. But it's worth it if only for like all the scribbles of uh, angst and then pointing out that Tiny Rick is making all these calls for help and he's like, I've got an emo side. It's it's part of what gives me my edge. <laughs> And at the end, again, we've got that moment at the end where all the humour turns into something horribly dark, where he says that if he's learnt one thing about this, it's Project whatever the name was, was a dead end. And he goes... Rising Phoenix. Yes, and goes and just brutally murders all these clones at various stages of development that he's got of himself. Yeah. With a fucking And yeah, this is the episode in which Bill Cipher appears. Ah, okay. Okay. He appears on the scanner uh, when they're um, uh, looking at various things uh, on the marriage counselling area. Uh... They've also got the thing of um, the whole point at the start. It's also a cameo by Jane Lane from Daria at the high school. Huh. You got that bit at the start of it as well, the whole thing that the reason Rick is there is because they're hunting down vampires. Oh, Coach Ferratu. Yeah. Oh, yes, that's why. (laughs) And that's the stinger at the end of it. Why do we keep giving ourselves stupid, obvious names? Right, from now on, everyone just your regular names. And all the vampires wear an ankh, which is a reference to um, Old World of Darkness. Ah, that's cool. So then we get... Hey everyone, is anyone ready for a Werner Herzog uh, cameo? <laughs> I am. <laughs> what the fuck? Werner... Yes, Werner Herzog appears in this show. And then we get Interdimensional Cable 2. Which is basically the clip show, the Interdimensional Cable clip show done again, except that this time the parallel plot with that is 
Is this the one with Jerry's penis yes. being removed to save the world's great, the universe's greatest leader? Shrimply yes. Pibbles. Shrimply Pibbles. Yeah. Shrimply yes. Pibbles. And I think my favorite thing about this episode is the fact that he's like, he agrees because what kind of asshole would not agree to save the life of like one of the greatest leaders in the universe, but then points out that you need spousal consent. Uh, and. Beth is initially, of course, just like, no, no, you can't do that. That's horrible. Until she is presented with the catalogue of fully functioning prosthetic replacements. <laughs> and she just starts um, window shopping the catalogue and is like, on the other hand... <laughs> There's no rush into this. <laughs> now, the interesting thing about the next episode... Look who's purging now. Which is just the purge in space. Yep. Uh, this episode was never planned to be in the series. Oh, uh, now, I'm going to have to talk a little bit about the finale, but not to spoil it, because we'll get there. But basically, the finale as it exists yeah. was meant to be the penultimate episode of the season. Oh, okay. And it would have made the series very, very different. Because basically, rather than it going the way it did, the penultimate episode of the season would have been completely wrapped up in the finale. Right. And and solved and put back to normal and everything would be fine. And the gag would basically be in the same way that Rick turned to camera at the end of season one and going, that's it, that's the end of the season, that's how the season ends, uh, would be something along the lines of, seriously, what kind of, you expecting some kind of weird cliffhanger? This is a cartoon, it's not Breaking Bad. <laughs> and, and just leave it there, having just wrapped it up all in a neat little bow. Hmm. But season two ran long, the the creation of it. And by this point, the contracts on all the writers had run out. And so that last episode that wrapped everything up in a neat little bow was being written by Dan Harmon, Justin Roiland, and I think Ryan Ridley, yeah. who was one of the producers, if I remember rightly. He'd worked on a couple of other shows, as well, on a couple of other episodes, I think. Or, yeah. Yeah. But basically, that's that's all they had left in the writers' room, and apparently, it was like three in the morning. To quote Justin Roiland, everyone was fucking exhausted, <laughs> and they couldn't come up with a way to tie everything up satisfactorily that was working on paper. Until Roiland went, "What if? What if we don't? What? What if we don't wrap it up? What if that is how it ends? And and instead of." trying this incredibly difficult thing right now when we can't think. We just write another episode and stick it in. Hmm. And someone said, Purge? In space? Yeah! <laughs> and that's how this episode exists. <laughs> yes. Amazing. Excellent. Which is where yeah, Rick and Morty travel to a planet and they realise it has the Purge, essentially. An, an annual festival of lawlessness so that you can maintain law and order the rest of the year around. And it's like, oh, that's that's like the Purge. And Rick stops to watch. Morty decides to get involved to save someone, a girl, obviously. And they get dragged into the events with inevitable, hilarious, powered armor suit, disco dancing, combat finale. <laughs> and, along, and along the way, Morty gets to hear the worst screenplay of all time. Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. 
I also love that that's all he has to do to save the day is just listen to this screenplay and he fucks it up by having an opinion. Yep. Well, he gets asked for uh, he gets asked to critique it. Yes, and and the thing is, right? If you've just listened to an entire screenplay and it's that bad, yep. and the author asks you to critique it, don't. Oh. Okay. Well, it's 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 fairly obvious that someone who can write something that bad, yep. and then with a with a straight face, ask you for constructive criticism, has no idea what to do with constructive criticism. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, yeah, it's 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 such a that's just like it's like a it's a movie parody episode along with the same lines as uh, Lawnmower Dog with its Inception stuff. Yeah, it, it is. It's just, the Purge. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's also Return of the Archons from Star Trek: The Original Series because it's Festival. Ah, uh, so we're going really old school with this. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And then finally. The finale. Oh, the wedding Which, consequences. Uh, yeah, that, that plot's back. The one that kind of went away for most of the season, because we had our Council of Ricks and, and that implication of a, a deeper, larger plot. And, and then we've gone back to silly, regular Rick and Morty. That's, it's fun. It's, there's a lot of smarts in the way it's written, but oh, plot's back. Here it is, comes screeching in. We, we we found some consequences, guys. Just a few. So it turns out that Tammy hooked up with Birdman at the party. Yeah. Despite and they've been living together for a while. I was going to say, despite, despite her being in her like mid to late teens and him being in his forties, but also you know, despite her being human and him being a bird person. <laughs> yeah. Like clearly, they're not letting these things stand in the way of a good relationship. Yeah. What a what a you know. What an accommodating and liberally-minded young lady she must be. Very liberal-minded, actually, such as when they visit Birdman and he tells them, I don't know what humans eat. Oh, yeah. And she sort of drapes herself over him and goes, you know what this human eats. Oh. <laughs> 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 yeah, that line makes me laugh. <laughs> I like that line. Birdick. So, Gross. yeah, they're getting married. It's just, it's just bird person's gross, Tammy. <laughs> <laughs> They're getting married Hooray! and Rick is invited along with the family. I love how Jerry gets there. He's shipped by courier, isn't he? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. By floating meatball alien. By creature. floating meatball courier, yes. While everyone else travels in comfort. Um uh, along with uh, a lot of other people we've seen before, such as Squanchy, he's back. Yep, yeah, because this is Planet Squanch. Uh, he hosts and uh, was it? He hosts, caters, and officiates the wedding. Yes, uh, but things don't go quite according to plan. Along the, along all the way, we, no. we find we find out all this plot back plot that uh, Rick and Birdperson and Squanchy were all part of. Uh, well, terrorists essentially that fought the Galactic Federation. Yes, bird person gets inebriated and starts disclosing this all to Beth while she's not really paying attention. Yeah, it's like talking to a brick wall, says Beth. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, so it turns out that they are all wanted criminals. And that's why Rick's been laying low. Um, 
but you know, Rick goes up, gives his best man speech. Uh, and it's, it's, I mean, for the character, this is, it's wow. It's him talking about, you know, that he recognizes the faults in himself and that he's going to be a better person and all this, that, and the other. And then it turns out that Tammy is actually an agent working for the uh, the Galactic, Galactic Federation. Federation. And that the building is surrounded, and they immediately shoot and kill Bird Person. Yep. Well, we think he's dead at least. Well, that's true. Yes, yeah. we see him shot. We assume he's dead. Yeah, I think the yeah the assumption is that he is he is dead. Tammy herself uh, gets the jump on Rick as he's about to portal gun away, and uh, takes the portal gun. Well, no, she uh, she demands that he throws uh, he. Throws it to her, but he yes. sets it to self-destruct. Yep, um, and so he hands it over and kills a whole bunch of Galactic Federation officers, uh, but has taken away his easiest means of escape. Uh, Squanchy reveals his true nature as a giant Hulk cat. Yep, he takes, uh, he takes a tooth out, cracks it, and has the liquid in it, and he drinks the liquid and hulks the fuck out. He's awesome. Um, <laughs> if you've seen. Winston's ultimate from Overwatch, yeah. where he goes primal rage. It's that, yeah, basically, yeah. And the whole wedding reception just breaks down into violence as Birdperson, Rick, and Squanchy's former terrorist friends take arms against the Galactic Federation, and um, the family escape in a catering van, <laughs> and they head out to try and find a new planet to live on. And they've come up with three Earth-like choices. <laughs> Uninhabited Earth-like choices. There's there's one, yes. which is, they go, well, let's go in and take a look. And then they just bump into it. And they go, well, no, oh. it's um, outside federal jurisdiction. Yes. Because they find like 760-odd Earth-like planets. But how many outside of the Galactic Federation? Three. So they, yeah, they drive in close to one and then bump against. They go, oh, it's it's not far away. It's just really it's small, tiny. It's just absolutely tiny. And they live on the tiny planet for a while. Well, no, no, they go. No, they go first of all, oh, they go and look at what their other options oh, are yes. before settling for the tiny I, planet. I, I, because... I love the the, so the second one they go to is it looks lovely and fine, and then it's like, oh, the sun's coming up. <laughs> no, that, that's the no, that's the third one because the second one is they land on it and it seems fine. Oh yes, and then everything is everything is like corn. Yeah, yeah, everything's on the cob. Like, like they find oh strawberries on the cob. That's that's neat and new. And then Rick just like gets a microscope cob. out and is looking at things at the atomic scale, and all the subatomic particles are on the cob. And he's for some reason this is intolerable. He's, he's like, just like to... everyone out. Everything's on the cob. We have to leave. Like this for some reason it fucking terrifies him. And then, but then they find a nice cob-free planet. <laughs> yeah, the sun rises and screams at them. The whole day is just ah, as it's going overhead. How long are the days here? Forty-two hours. <laughs> so well, they return to Tiny World. The choices are <laughs> screaming sun planet or tiny planet. Um. So yeah, they live on Tiny World, where Rick goes on the occasional one-minute journey to the South Pole. Yep. Morty practices throwing a frisbee to himself. 
And then we have a few few good gags about how small the planet is. Yeah. Until we see Rick finding a cave that leads him to the very center of the Earth. Uh, yeah, to the core, isn't it? Yeah, to the to the core, which is so close to the floor of the tiny home they've built on the tiny planet that he can overhear the family talking. And they decide that they would never... Well, Jerry doesn't decide, but the rest of the family decide they would never, like... Turn hand Rick over, yeah. They wouldn't hand Rick over. So Rick decides that he essentially decides he isn't worth it. He isn't worth their unhappiness. Or well, it's. I think it comes down to Summer. Summer is the one because, um, that she had a conversation with Bird Person. Yeah. And and she's the one who's uh, talking about how, you know, we have to put up with him because. It's family, it's it's loving a family member, and you don't do that to get anything out of it. Yeah. You do that because they're family. Um, and they're talking Jerry into sticking by him. Mm. And uh, then Beth... Beth is the one who says that she, she has to, because... She can't lose him again. Yeah, it's her father, and he abandoned her once, and she can't do that again. Yeah. And so realizing like how shitty he has been, and the fact that they're all still standing by him, that's when Rick decides to turn himself in, he... claiming he's just going to nip out for ice cream. Oh! And Morty's all along the lines of, "Rick, I can handle if you're leaving. I'm used to it, but Mum, it'll break her heart." He's mm. like. Geez, Maury, I'm just going for ice cream. And he calls the Galactic Federation <laughs> under the name Jerry Smith. Sorry, it's just that. It's the Jerry Smith stuff. I yeah, love... You know. <laughs> I forget what his actual line is now. My name's Jerry Smith, and... Oh, I love sucking on big hairy testicles, isn't it? Something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Like, he, he's giving a report of where a wanted terrorist is himself. Yeah. But then also throwing in, oh, and, uh, and I, I, I totally love sucking on hairy balls. Like, and my name's Jerry Smith. Jerry Smith loves sucking on balls. <laughs> it's basically that. <laughs> I love the call dispatch results. It's like, um, okay. <laughs> um, uh, and so he gets taken to Galactic Federation Prison. Uh he, he turns himself in on the on the sort of agreement that uh, his family are treated well. Uh, yes. Earth is brought into the Galactic Federation, gets flooded with tourists. Uh, Jerry gets a job. He is assigned a function. Yes. To I got a job! To pay off the debt he has uh, of 7,000 Fed creds for being given antidepressants. Yes. <laughs> Against his will. Yeah. I mean, not that he didn't want them, but they didn't ask. Yeah. He just took them. <laughs> and uh, and all of this is done to the strains of Hurt. Now, this made you laugh, didn't it, Simon? This made me laugh my ass off because that song... That's not a funny song. Is, it's not a funny song. However, I, we've seen the trailer for Logan. We know how that song is used cynically by media. Yeah, yeah. That song is the go-to song 
for the this is a sad thing. And the fact that Dan Harmon and Justin Roiland put that in, in full, like it's not even just a verse to underscore it. It's the whole damn song. Like the more it goes on, the more ridiculous and sort of self-conscious and self-aware it became to me that they were very deliberately doing this. Yeah. Um, this song was chosen not for its emotional punch, but for the cliche of its emotional punch. I'm sure of it. Yeah. Like it's such an on-the-nose song to use for this scene that it made it funny. It actually took the sting off it for me and turned it into an hilarious climax. I'll tell you what, though, to the series. I'll tell you what, it's a fucking good song. It is. It is a good song. And the fact that they actually used the original. Not, well, not going back cash. to the trivia about this not having been the intended ending. Yeah. I I I laughed when I saw it a lot. And I had my faith that they were doing this very knowingly, very nod and a wink. Um, restored when I read the interview in which they were talking about how it was originally going to be the penultimate part and all wrapped up. Because the original plan, which fell through for licensing reasons, was that they were actually going to do their own cover version of Hurt. Oh. They were going to use a Johnny Cash sound alike. So initially you couldn't tell it was a cover version. Until the word squanch appeared. <laughs> I'll make you squanch. Yeah. Nice. And you can have it all. My empire of squanch. <laughs> and so on. Um, and, and that was going to be the gag. So I was like, yeah, they, they chose that song because it's funny. Not because it's emotional. Yeah. Uh, uh, and yeah, that's that's the end. We see Rick put in prison. And the neighbouring prisoner turns to him and says, what are you in for? Everything. Everything. So a little different to the, that's the end of the season! That's how the yeah. season ends! Well, 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 I was just like, uh, uh, season three, please? And then we get the post credit scene. <laughs> which is amazing. Mr. Poopy Butthole. Oh, Mr. Poopy Butthole is back. Um, with a lovely sort of anti-gun poster on his wall. He's completing his physical rehabilitation. Um, he's talking about... Uh, no, he's taking masses of painkillers as he's talking to the audience. Um, and, and doing a... It's basically he's doing a little anti-gun PSA when his pizza is delivered. Oh... And I just love him just attacking the pizza delivery guy about what a great episode that was. What was your favourite part? How are they going to get out of this mess? <laughs> and apparently and they're just, just asking him all the questions that, that the creators keep getting asked at conventions. And, yep. shit. and the episode just ends with Mr. Poopy Butthole rocking back and forth on the floor going, tune in to find out in like a year or a year and a half, I guess. Or longer. Oh, longer. <laughs> and that's what they—that's what we got left with. Yeah, and then and that's where it's still left. Well, recently, you know, uh, they've been releasing adults swimming, releasing a whole bunch of uh, little videos on YouTube. 
Mm. Oh, it's also worth mentioning that in this episode, Tammy's parents are actually uh, killer cyborgs, and they're the ones played by James Callis and Trisha Helfer from Battlestar Galactica. Yes. Also, for the YouTube fans out there, you get Aaron Hansen, aka Ego Raptor, uh, cameoing, which is quite nice. There's yes. two characters in that episode. Does he? I thought he was just the the photographer. Yeah, he's both. He's both of them. He's oh, both of, of them. course, yes, he's the one in the prison as well. I am not staring at you. <laughs> I am taking your mugshot. And uh, yeah, all the little videos they've released so far, such as the Rick roll, where they where they play never going to give you up using you know dialogue from the, the various episodes that been out so far. Of course, to make the song. They've released the uh, a video for all the celebrity voice actors that have been in the show so far. Which is a lot. Which is a lot. Like, surprising amount. Um, oh, God, what have they done? They've done a whole bunch of stuff. And, yeah, it's just... Where will it go from here? Where yeah. will yep. Find out in a year or a year and a half or longer, except that not that long because it's due to wear in April, we hope. Yeah. Hopefully. So by the time this episode is out, it could be out. No. Okay. I mean it <laughs> technically one episode could have been released, I guess. Unless they release but it all in one go. Typically it's been released on Sundays. Oh. So and this episode will go up on a Saturday. So maybe it'll be tomorrow. If you're listening to this the day the episode came out, or it might have been out already by the time you listen to this, because you might not listen right away. Either way, I, uh, more. Maybe you're listening to this in the future. Like you've just come, you've you've discovered us. And well, you're definitely listening to this in the future. No, 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 you're not like, listening to like, it in the present, like, unless you're Zoe. Like the, she is listening to it in the present, no, or no, part of it. Like, Only my part. The future, future. Like the proper future. Like they're actually they're listening to this in like 2035. <laughs> is, is that your definition for the proper future? Yeah, that's a limited imagination. <laughs> it's mo- it's better than next week or whenever the fuck this episode's going up. <laughs> it's it's more creative than <laughs> the first of April this year, right? Is less yes. far away in time. Well, it certainly is to the listener <laughs> than twenty thirty five. But it well, is not necessarily. unless the listener is listening to us in the proper future, which will happen in 2035. Unless they're listening in the proper, proper future, like 2732, and then they're like, why are you talking about the distant past as the proper future? They'll also be saying it in, like, weird alien future language and wondering what this whole internet thing is. Also, you know, what are podcasts? Because now we get all of our entertainment beamed directly into our brains. You know, the, for the few moments a day when we get entertainment and our octopus overlords, you know, allow it. In the meantime, um, to get to get your bit of Rick and Morty fix, you've always played the, the two smartphone games that they've got. Two? They're, I only knew about Pocket Mortys. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's the, the adventure game. No, well, there's also the game that Jerry is playing on his smart device. Oh, yes, the balloon pop. Yes, they've yeah. re- they released that <laughs> as an actual app. Jerry's right, game. to call that a game is generous. <laughs> but there is also the... Uh... Oh, the Pocket Mortys is actually really good. Pocket uh, Mortys is great. I, I am 
endlessly delighted by how unashamed the ripoff of Pokemon is. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's wonderful. Although I love that the only types are rock, paper, and scissor. Yes. <laughs> Making the types game really easy to play. The amount of different Mortys, though. So many Mortys, and they keep adding more. Uh, yeah, there's a... only have five. There's, uh, yeah, an adventure game called Rick and Morty Rushed Licensed Adventure. Huh. Is that a phone game, or is that an I actual no game idea. game? I, I know nothing about it. It's a very honest title, which suggests it may be another sort of knowing... Yeah, I mean, uh, they apparently inside that game there are characters that will co constantly complain that, well, I mean, we could do this to, to get out of this situation, but I don't think... The, the, like, the, I think the game was kind of rushed, so we don't actually have that animation. Oh, it's just a Flash game. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. It, it's a very Adult Swim kind of a thing. Ah, fair enough. That might be worth a look. Yeah, there you go. But Pocket Mortys is surprisingly polished. It's actually a very, very good game. There's obviously a standard fare of desperately trying to make you spend microtransactions, but it, it's a very well put together game and very entertaining. Give it a go. Yeah. In which the general concept is that Ricks are desperately hunting loose Mortys. And have decided to battle them against each other for science. Or fun. Yeah, depending how I look at it. Probably fun more than science. Science is fun. I just, I love all of Morty's dialogue as he is forced to battle. Just going, ah, oh, gee, Rick, this just seems really cruel. <laughs> oh, bless that little butt monkey. He's not wrong. He's not. No. It is really cruel. He's rarely wrong. That is the, the curse of the Morty. Well, that and being stupid, apparently. Yet, usually right. It's so confusing. He's, he's not a genius, but he has good instincts. Mm. Yeah. One of the other big... Whereas Rick is a genius and has bad instincts. Or has good instincts and ignores them. Or possibly that, yeah. yes. One of the other big theories that is going around apparently is that um, Rick is actually Morty. That he is a Morty. And he's come back in time to prevent whatever happened to end up how he ended up the way he was. So all the Ricks are all the Mortys? I, I don't know. Or It's just something that I've come across but really not looked into. An arbitrarily large number of Ricks are an arbitrarily large number of Mortys. Yes. yes. I don't buy that one. Yeah, considering the creators nah. have said that when Morty grows up, he will look like uh, Jerry. There is the theory that um, this Rick is not of the original universe of this Morty. Okay. Because Rick's been gone for 20 years. Oh, but he sure. turns up in all... But Morty is only 14. And Rick has all those photos of him, like, with baby Morty. Yeah. Yeah. So that could have been a different Morty. As we know that all the Mortys do look the same. That's true. And so what happened to the Morty... To his Morty. Rick? Yeah. Oh. Well, there, there are two theories on that. There's the fact that in the intro, you see Rick going through the portal... 
which closes, abandoning Morty to be eaten by space monsters. Yeah. Alternatively, some people in a rather darker sense have said that maybe that Morty survived and grew to resent Rick and developed an eye patch. Yes, I was going to go with that one. Mm. Mm. Could be that Ooh. Morty. So that's that's another theory doing the rounds. Mm. Obviously, some people are going, ah, what if they're still in the simulation from yes, the M. Night Sham aliens? That's the other one that I've seen as well. What, what if the, the layers on layers have not been peeled back yet, and it's like the Matrix? All along. The simulation. Within a simulation. No! Within another simulation. Right, tonight, Jet, tonight, Irish, you're going to wake up, and I'm going to be there just sitting in your room with a knife at you, just going, are you a simulation? <laughs> Man, I fucking love this show. Yeah. It is a really good show. What? And I don't I don't feel like we've quite given it uh, done it justice. No. I think everything we've said about it that's good is good. Yep. But there is a hell of a lot more to two seasons of television than we can cover in two and a half hours. Absolutely. If you've basically if you've listened to this, then we've given you massive spoilers. But if you've already watched yeah. the show, then that doesn't matter. But if you've already watched the show, then what we've said will not add anything to what you know. So No. So basically what we're saying is we just for everyone who already loved Rick and Morty. We agree. Yeah. And to everyone who hasn't seen it yet, we're sorry. Have we just wasted... We hope you like, still enjoy it. we just wasted like three <laughs> hours of everyone's time? Yeah, that's what we do here. Oh. Oh my god. You pass butter. Yeah. Oh. And you have been listening to Dangerously Unprepared. <laughs> I have been Simon. Wobble up a dub dub. And have a good squatch. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. This is not a dance. <laughs> that was a Dangerously Unprepared podcast. Visit DangerouslyUnprepared.com to catch all our episodes and to submit topics for shows you'd like us to do in future. Follow us on Twitter at Unprepared Show. Find us on Facebook as Dangerously Unprepared. Thanks, as ever, go to Simply Syndicated for hosting us, IPI for the original music we based our theme tune on, and to you for listening. We hope you listen again. <laughs>